The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I appreciate everybody coming aboard. Now, l- let me ask you something. I was, I was just talking to Tone. Um, how are all you feeling? How are all you feeling a couple days after that ass beating the Cowboys put on you? Can I tell you what the reality check has been for the Eagles and for their fan base? Do you know what it's been? That you're no longer the measuring stick in the NFC. And you see two teams ahead of you that are the measuring stick. And that's a reality check. That is an absolute reality check. When you're no longer the biggest bully on the block. Okay? You aren't aren't the standard. You are not the standard in the NFC. You walked around with your chest all pumped out for a year and a half. As the big bully, because you knocked off the Niners, you got to the Super Bowl, and all of a sudden, it has been a it's probably been a tougher fall for Eagle fans than the organization itself. Chester says, I thought our offense would carry us. It has. Chester, it has carried it. Oh. I want to I, I want to give some kudos to WIP before I continue. I want to thank you guys for watching the show and regurgitating our content. It you know, duplication and imitation is sometimes the best form of you know compliments. I, I appreciate it. I I love it. I think it's great. I hear it all the time. When we say here, all of a sudden now, Nick Sirianni's not a good coach. And that's all over IP and the fanatic. I've been telling you that for two years. Guy's a cheerleader. All of a sudden now, he's not. A, I mean, it really took two games? That shows you how narrow-minded some of these people are. It took you two games. Because you were blinded by the record again. And not what was behind the record. It's kind of like how you looked at Tiger for all those years until that November night. Damn. 
He fooled us. You get fooled all the time because you know why? Your passion, you want to believe something. Personally, to me, sports celebrities are not my idols. My grandfather was. Because these people let you down all the time. There's very few people or things or teams that won't let you down in the end. And when you put your passion behind shit like that, you'll always be disappointed. That's why I don't look to be friends with anyone. I don't look to cover or love a team. I don't care about that shit. Okay? I saw it the whole time. Okay? I saw it the whole time. This thing, guys kept post 10 and 2, you were never that. 10 and 1, you were never that. That team last year was good. I told you that's one of the best constructed Super Bowl contending teams I've ever seen. Okay? No question about it. You see, you'll always get people that will post the record. And you were murdered by two teams. And you refuse to have reality. You're still in it. I never said you weren't. You're still a playoff team. I never said you weren't. Last year, I picked you to go to Super Bowl. This year, you're not. See, I I put my, my takes eight months ago out. Bills and Cowboys. I'm still hanging in there with the Bills. Cowboys look better. Dak Prescott, I said, win the MVP. Looks like he's going to do it. Hey, by the way, Tommy DeVito, the Giants sitting at five and eight. Do I think the Eagles beat them in both those games? I do, but don't bring that shitty ass defense into any stadium and think that you've got an advantage anywhere on that defense except for Hassan Reddick. You do not. That hey, would you agree with me? That defense can be beat by anybody, including Kyler Murray. You're you're looking at the Eagles in their totality with their offense. Okay, true. Do you think Kyler Murray can beat that defense? I do. You better go in there completely focused. You don't have, what have I been saying all year to you? You don't have the latitude for mistakes that you had a year ago. And they're playing out. I want to, hey, how many people believe that Brock Purdy is a product of a system? I hear people on our network, IP, Fanatic, Inquire. How many people believe Brock Purdy is a product of the system that Kyle Shanahan has? Mass goes, Purdy is a system quarterback. Well, explain this to me. How can the San Francisco 49ers 
throw the fewest passes in the NFL and have the third most passing yards in the league. That's high proficiency. He, San Francisco has thrown the least of attempts in the league. The least amount of passes. And they're third in passing yards. How is that possible? It's being productive. That's not a system quarterback. You call him that because he was the last player taken. That's proficiency at its highest. Hey, Sue goes, well, they have McCaffrey. You got Swift, Brown, Smith, Goddard. What's your excuse? What's your excuse? And Hertz has more attempts. Proficiency and play calling. Putting players in the right system. Putting players in the right position. Quarterbacks today are not system quarterbacks. The great offensive coordinators build a system around the talent of the quarterback. Here lies the difference between Brian Johnson and Shane Steichen. That offense last year, we saw it on display when Gardner Minshew went in. It was built exclusively for Hurts. Exclusively for Jalen Hurts. Yes, Jalen Hurts is a system quarterback of his own system that was made for him. And this year, what they decided to do, they actually changed the system. And took components of it out. And that's why it's where it is. Two injuries and the Niners lose three in a row. Sure. Okay. It's the Purdy system. Sure. How about this? LJ goes, Niners lose. If they lose players, they lose three in a row. Two in a row. With that shit defense. And you ain't lost anybody. What's your excuse? Goddard, okay, got it. Lane still won a ball game. That's the frightening thing. The Niners had to lose players. You had your players and were killed. Niners had an excuse. What was yours? Wow, that's even more, LJ. Back in the face. You had almost all your players on the field and got killed. At least the Niners lost Debo and Trent. Kind of had a conversation there with it. You didn't lose anybody and were murdered. I do believe it is fatigue. I do. But get this, King Brown. I think it's King. I think it's fatigue that goes back to 22. Remember something. How long you played football last year. Played an entire season. You went to February. You had a short off season, and now you're doing it again. 
Do you know at times, think about this. Some team seasons are over in December. You had to play an additional two months of football. Most teams were home. Most teams were enjoying their family. They were in their off time. They got a, a break. You didn't. And now that carried over. That's why it always remarked. That's why teams don't go back to Super Bowls. Because then you have a short work season. I think that's what you're seeing a little bit in Kansas City, too. Okay? The San Francisco 49ers have thrown the least amount of passes and third in passing yards. That's incredible. It's utterly incredible. You know, I, I, I brought this up to tone, and I was going to bring this out later. By the way, our top 10 lists are out today. We're going to do that here in a second. I had a conversation with somebody, and I'm hearing that potentially Nick Sirianni may be more involved with the play calling. That'll be horrible. We're also going to look at something with Howie here in a second. Top 10 quarterbacks. But I want to show you something here. I would like some of you guys in here to explain this to me. You guys think you got a good organization. I do. Listen, for all the shit I talk, I do think it's a great organization, the Eagles. I think it's a great organization. Okay? I do. But tell me what you hear when I say this to you. Okay? Show me this. Show me this. And or how about this? Tell me what you you hear or see here that's different for Jalen Hurts. Look at what the Philadelphia Eagles have done to Jalen Hurts. And you tell me if you think they're helping him. Howie. Brock Purdy, Kyle Shanahan as his play caller. Dak, Mike McCarthy as his play caller. Super Bowl winner. Lamar Jackson, all them, these guys are all MVP candidates. The guy Munkin, who's now the OC up in Baltimore. Lamar looks great. They're 10-3, number one seed in the AFC. Mahomes, Andy Reid. And Jalen Hurts, Brian Johnson. Which one of these pegs doesn't fit? Why would you do that to Hurts? Every single one of these MVP candidates. By the way, Tua. I know they dropped an egg last night, but the guy down in Miami is a brilliant play caller. Why, why, would, why would you give him? Hey, by the way, Brian Johnson one day may become a really good offensive coordinator, but he's not qualified. He is not qualified. Every MVP candidate has a professional play caller with him, except Hurts. Why? Would you do that when you're this close? Why won't anyone answer that? Why would you put the least? He has has an MVP candidate and a top flight quarterback in some folks' mind. By the way, as a winner, he is right up there in my eyes. Why would you have him with the least experienced OC? Every one of these other guys have guys that have moved the sticks, won Super Bowls, won conference titles, except Hurts. Why? Why? Okay. 
can't explain it. And, and you don't want to hear it. Oh, by the way, I want to get into this right away. Howie Roseman's 2023 miscalculations in mistakes as your great 10 and 3 team heads to Seattle. Okay? Here is his miscalculations. Slot corner. Did he replace him? Did he replace the slot corner? Yes or no? To what last year you guys had a guy who led the NFL in interceptions? Did he replace the slot corner? No. Will Linebacker, did he replace Kaiser White? Get this. Kaiser White's replaceable. Think about this. I heard you, Tone. Kaiser White was up and down. Still had 117 tackles, right? You couldn't replace a guy who was replaceable. You ain't got one player on that team that played as well as Kaiser last year. No one. Not, not one guy. So you didn't replace the will. He's, he was, I agree. Kaiser was replaceable. You couldn't replace him. The Dean miscalculation. We've gone over it. Not going to hammer it. Complete disaster there. How about this one? Now, this one's debatable. The contract on Bradbury, would you have done it? Now, it's one thing to have hindsight. It's another thing coming off the year he had last year. Was that a mistake to bring him back? If you look at it and you're fair to Darius Slay, Slay has been the better of the corners this year. I thought Bradbury was better last year. Okay? So, in hindsight, of course we'd say no. But again, the addressing of the cornerback position needed to be addressed in the draft better. They needed to go into the draft with more of a priority there. They're limited at corner right now. Where's your depth? They didn't address the cornerback position, at least in depth. The hindsight on the Bradbury deal, sure, we could debate it. But where's your depth in the draft? Again, Somebody saying in here that I'm saying draft a corner at nine. I never said that. Once again, you don't have to get a guy in the first round 
to get a guy. Sign Jason Kelsey. Sign Josh Sweat. Sign Jalen Hurts. Doesn't have to be a one. The lack of edge rush depth is playing out so poorly now. The only thing that you guys count are pressures. If Hassan Red, let me say this to you. If Hassan Reddick was not on that defense, you'd have the worst unit in the entire league. You'd have the worst unit in the league. You see, you're not just a bad defense. You're a horrible defense. Stop. It, it, by the way, it's not getting, it's not going to get better. You're heading into week 15. You're running out of games and excuses. That shit's not going to work. Hey, Dan, the NFL hates us. A.J. Brown drug test to brotherly shove gate. 49ers and Cowboys under this much scrutiny. Pretty ever drug tested. A.J. Brown was drug tested. <laughs> Dude, they don't, I told you, they don't want to promote Jalen Hurts or the Eagles. They want the Niners and the Cowboys in the NFC title game. Okay? And in my opinion, they probably want Mahomes and Allen. Somehow in the AFC title game, you think they want to have one of those backup stiffs in the AFC title game? The AFC's got an issue with all them stiff backups. So do the um, so do the NFC. One thing I'll tell you about the 2023 NFL season, it is the year of the backup. It's the year of the backup quarterback. And get this. Pretty damn, last year, 50 players were used at the quarterback position. That thing is going to be bigger this year than last year. 50 different quarterbacks were used last year. More will be used this year. And you got teams that are still doing well with backups. Jake Browning, uh, Minnesota, all of that. And they're functional. You know, no longer the days where your guy falls off a cliff when your when your quarterback and your team falls off a cliff when your quarterback gets injured, that's not happening now. Look at the Colts, dude. The problem that the league is going to have is an optics problem. If you have Nick Foles versus Case Keenum again in the conference final, instead of the star, you pay those guys fifty million dollars because they're TV stars too. You know, you're not just doing it because they're great. How about this? The lack of the edge rushers. Josh Sweat's out of gas. Played more reps than any time in his entire professional career for one season. Come down on a guy who you give no help to. You shit all over him. Seals, do you think Lurie is such a simp for Howie after winning one Super Bowl and the way he moves money will destroy our future? No, no, no. You're going to win a boatload of games. You're just not going to win the game. Because you don't have the guy to get you to the ending. You have a guy to get you to the gate, but you don't have a guy to get you through the finish line. You basically have a jockey to get you in first place. 90% of the race, but you don't have the jockey 
when you're in traffic to get you across the finish line. That's what happened 10 months ago. And it'll happen again. Jalen Hurts has the least experience. How about this? I'm not even going to say the worst offensive coordinator in the NFL. He has the least experienced coordinator in the NFL when it comes to having a team that's a contender for the Super Bowl. Is that true? Is that true? How about this one? Eagles have the worst running back room that they've had in a bit. Right? Thanks, Tone. Worst running back room in a bit. You don't have a very good running back crowd. You just don't. You don't have very good running backs. I like Swift. You have a running back. Kind of. I think the Eagles kind of believe in him. Not always. The carries dictate it. Hey, I love Swift. Hey, I do this. Then you give him six carries. No, you don't. You're lying. You ever hear somebody tell you something, and then when you look at the actual facts, it doesn't come to fruition, and you know that they're bullshitting you? That's what they do with Swift. They tell you they love Swift, but they don't act like it. Right? They don't act like it. They tell Eagles have a great way of telling you shit and not acting on it. How about this one? Tell me what you make of this. And no one talks about this at all in any way. Don't you agree one of Howie's biggest failures is the whole Vic Fangio fiasco? Right now, Fangio, I think they're fifth and least amount of yards given up. thought the defense fell a little bit apart last night. Still, Dolphins are in the second hole. Defense is much improved from a year ago. Don't you think that that loss of Vic Fangio is a little bit more concerning now that that whole fiasco blew up on the Eagles and they didn't hire a quality D coordinator? Right? That, to me, again, looks... Once again, why wouldn't you want to have the more proficient coordinator? Vic Fangio took a really shitty defense and has turned it into a team that's going to contend for a Super Bowl. Hey, they walked back last night, so have the Lions. The Niners have lost. The Eagles have been killed. Don't make it sound like teams don't get beat. I love how you look at a game last night with the Miami Dolphins they drop 14 down to Tennessee. You turn around and say, see, Sills? Shit, what are you talking about? You just were murdered. The Niners lost three straight. The Cowboys were annihilated by Arizona. Shut the hell up. You don't know what you're talking about. It's a week-to-week league. Be quiet. And sit back and shut the hell up. I'm sick of that shit. I'm totally sick of that shit. You talk like, well, Dolphins lost last night. You were murdered Sunday. Do I think you're not going to make the playoffs? 
Absolutely not. I think you're going to make the playoffs. Of course you're going to make it. Of course you're going to make it. It's just going to be how you look when you get in it. Get this. Look at Matthew. Did anyone watch the Miami game last night? They don't scare anyone if you get pressure on Tua. Dude, your Eagle team doesn't scare me. Who? Worst defense in the league? And an offense that doesn't have an identity. Congratulations, heading into week 15. Sounds like things are going well in Philly. Hey, is that fair? You have no identity on offense, and you got the shittiest defense in the league. How's that for an identity? It's week 15, guys. Hey, snap out of it. It's week 15. Let's take a look at something here for the impact and how he's drafted the last two years. It's kind of hard to put the dudes that were drafted a couple months ago into proper perspective because it's kind of not fair. But I just want to talk about influencing on a roster, how Howie's guys have influenced the roster the last two drafts, okay? Especially when you've had a lot of turnover on defense. Davis and Carter, right? Davis and Carter. 2023, uh, Nolan Smith has been no factor. Have to wait and see. I agree. Can't get on the field at all, though. Especially when you need depth at edge. Tyler Steen, he looks kind of decent. You're playing him because you have to because nobody at right guard. Cam's okay. We'll get to him in a minute. Sidney Brown, every time you put him out there on the field, he's a liability. But they have no choice. Sidney Brown's a liability. Well, do I think he'll be a good player? I do. 2023, he's a liability. But they have to play him. Isn't it funny? I want to tell you something here. Just to show you how many people contradict themselves. They're playing Sidney Brown because they have to. Why won't you play Nolan Smith because you have to? What's the issue here? You're putting Sidney Brown in positions where he's not qualified either, or Akili Ringo. And you know you got no depth at edge, but you won't put Smith in. Why? The analytics guy's telling you that? Well, who, who's telling you not to play him? Like, is that a coaching decision? Or is that an analytical decision? Got to always remember, both go into the Your Eagle organization. You don't have you have two coaching staffs in Philly. Remember that. You have two coaching staffs. That's not uncommon any longer in the league. You have two coaching staffs. Baby players? I'm just why don't hey. So how many people thought that that Keely Ringo play was embarrassing? Okay, face mask, the pass interference. Then he got hurdled the next play. Okay, it's embarrassing. But you put him in trial by fire. Why won't you do that with Smith? What's your problem with this? Why are you babying this guy? Get his ass out there. Sweat needs help. You put him 31. 
You know why I say? Can I tell you why? How he doesn't want to admit a failure on another edge rushing first down or first pick um, bust. I'm not saying he's afraid to play that guy and put that guy in that position because he just whacked Derek Barnett. I'm telling you. I'm starting to see this guy's M.O. He doesn't want to have another edge rushing first first round pick look shitty to his owner. That's my opinion. That's an opinion. That's not a fact. That's just my opinion. This guy's more concerned with the optics than he is with getting guys out there to help the guys that are in that game like Josh Sweat. DK Metcalf been licking his chops to play our DBs, and I choose fresh for playoffs rather than the MVP and fatigued. Okay? Keely Ringo, he's not ready to play. Uh, Tyler McKee, obviously, these guys down the list here. Uh, Jomo, no factor whatsoever. Cam Jurgens, I think Cam's good. I think he's out of position. He's not a guard. Kobe Dean, look, when we bring his name up from now on, I've said all I'm going to say about him. I've given him too much airtime as is. Actually, as far as I'm concerned, he will be on IR for the rest of his Eagle career in my takes until he does something. So you won't have to worry about me banging on him again. I'm done with it. Okay? And next year, I guarantee you, We'll be back at it again with them naming him starter because how he has to look right. And he'll give him the position to lose instead of earning the position to win it. That's who he is. Kyron Johnson, nothing burger. The tight end, Grant, kind of something. So really in the last two years, have been limited when it comes to filling gaps for positions. I'm not talking about like having a superstar like Carter or somebody that Davis has grown into being one of the better interior tackles. I'm talking about the rest of these guys have actually brought nothing to the table when it comes to filling the needs of depth. That's why you have multiple rounds. So you can have guys contribute and you can land on these guys when you're making moves where you have to put a guy in free agency. These guys have not been plugged in. Like, the inability to use Nolan Smith, but you're going to use Keely Ringo doesn't make sense to me. Either you're going to put all your guys out there, you're not going to put any of your guys out there, but they're picking and choosing for some reason here. And Smith is the 31st player taken. Ringo was a later round guy. Everyone's laughing at him. Okay, is he more expendable than Smith? Because... Howie's boy's a first-rounder? That's what I think. This guy doesn't like public criticism. This guy doesn't like two things. I'm talking Howie Roseman. He doesn't like public criticism, and he doesn't like people questioning him. Sign Doug Peterson. That's exactly who that guy is. That's why he's got a ton of yes-men in that building. That's why it's going to be hard for you to win a Super Bowl. You won the Super Bowl because you didn't have a yes man as a coach. You got one now. Okay? 
That guy's got the thickest, that guy's got the thinnest skin I've ever seen. Okay. All right. So, Howie Roseman, in my opinion, this year with that team, he gets a D for the replacements that he lost. You think he replaced all those five tacklers? You lost five of the top tacklers on your team last year. You think he replaced any one of them? They excluded the defense this offseason for their arrogance. Their arrogance got in the way of reality. I have been saying that since the draft. Somebody brought this up. Let's get to the topics now. How many people believe that Brian Johnson is the better option to be in the offensive coordinator to Jalen Hurts this time right now than having Nick take over the play calling duties? Who would you rather have right now? By the way, before you answer, everyone was under the assumption Mike McCarthy was going to ruin Dak even more. That's been quite the contrast. That actually, McCarthy, in my opinion, should be a candidate for Coach of the Year. I think Mike McCarthy's done a spectacular job with Dak. Dak looks like a different dude. He looks like a completely different quarterback. Okay? Like a different dude. There's actually some conversation going on at the NovaCare Center that Nick Sirianni will be more involved in the play calling. Why in the world would that be a bad idea? How we slay AJ, Egos, DK, Cook slay in 2020. Why would that be a bad idea having Nick be more involved? This is really what, when I'm hearing this now, and I'm talking to a guy who knows the people that are inside the building. Wait till I wait till you hear this. Two and five. Well, let me give it to you plain and simple here. I'm not going to say any names. Had a great conversation with someone last night. And he's being, I'm not using the word pressured. But he was asked again by the owner and by the head coach to be a consultant. And he's refused. And he politely, lovingly said, no, I need more time with my family. And I said, wow, okay. And he didn't expand. So, I am adding this into that conversation. Here's why it will be a complete colossal train wreck and you will maybe lose a Giants game. If Nick Sirianni gets more control or he gets more influence on the play calling, that means the analytic guys get more of an influence on the game plan. 
you're ruining hurts. You're ruining them. You have made that quarterback a non $50 million quarterback this year. Oh, let me wish the guy happy birthday. I forgot. Let me wish him happy birthday. Hold on here. Excuse me. I got to wish my friend. I should have did this before. I got to wish him happy birthday. Here we go. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Had to do something. They want so much control of that offense and the way it I mean I just wonder how again they they went about and where they are in the room with where they are as a team with no identity and one of the worst defenses on the planet. I mean, when you don't put the proper people around a $50 million quarterback, you're going to have problems here. And this is what you're getting with. They're ruining Hurts. They're absolutely ruining Hurts. Okay? They're ruining him. I mean, every... Will we have Frank next year? Des, I could potentially see Frank back in Buffalo. Okay? I could see him in Buffalo. Also with Josh Allen. I'll tell you this too, man. Brian Dable has turned that thing around, hasn't he? LJ goes Frank Reich is the um, Shaq Leonard of coaches. Funny, he has a Super Bowl ring from Philly. Nobody said he's the greatest head coach on the planet. I think Frank's a great offensive coordinator. Did some really great things with Phillip Rivers. Almost pushed the Bills out the door in the playoffs. Phillip Rivers' greatest year he ever had as a quarterback in the NFL was under Frank. Hey, man, how about this? Frank Reich's the Shaq Leonard? Then what's Brian Johnson? What's, 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 what's Brian Johnson? You hired some of the worst coaches this year. You know what, man? I find that – I, I, I don't want to insult Sean Desai. I think he came in and he had a no-win – I actually even said that. I think Shane, I think that um, Sean Desai came in with a no-win situation with all that shitty talent he had. I said that from day one. You guys are going to get on that guy's ass more than you did on Jonathan Gannon because Jonathan Gannon had more talent around him and he had a shitty-ass schedule to deal with. You got to remember, man, that football team at 22 was really a good roster playing against bums. It was a great team and a great situation. That's why I said this to you about Hurts in last year. It may never get any better for Jalen Hurts than last year. You're going to have to come to grips with that. Because the way that 
That defense right now is at least five years away from being competitive. Well, what about Carter and Davis? <laughs> That's not enough. That's the Rams. Signed Aaron Donald. Glad I found this channel. Antidote to the Kool-Aid. Mike, people love the Kool-Aid. You know what this year's Kool-Aid was, Mike? You ever had that 10-in-1 drink? Mike, you had that 10-in-1 drink, didn't you? Oh, Keon goes, 10-in-3 drink. Keep drinking the 10-in-3 drink. Keep By the time you're done with the 10-in-3 drink and the 10-in-1, 10-in-2 drink, keep drinking that cool Kool-Aid, thinking that it's all going to be good and all. You put it down, and it's kind of got like a drug effect. Keep thinking you're good. Then when it wears off and you look up and you got your faces pounded by the Niners and Cowboys, you realize what happened. Hey, you know what these guys like mask after mask gets all high on his 10 and three sippy cup. And that drug wears off. And then you get your faces kicked in. You go, Hey man, what happened? What happened? What happened? The drug wore off. So what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, how come we're getting killed? What what happened? Because you're drinking the Kool-Aid all year. You know what next week is going to be? Wait till you get this one. Next week is going to be the 10 and 4 drink. Yeah. This one won't hit, but I'm going to promise you this one. Tone, next, next week's the 10 and 4 drink. This one won't last that long like the 10 and 1 drink did. 10 and 1 drink lasted. Three months. Ten and two one lasted three weeks. Ten and three one lasted two days. This one only lasts about a day. Mm. <laughs> that Kool-Aid drink, man. It's got a big old ten and four on it. This is a really good six pack, this ten and four. You're going to love it, man. You bet. Hey, I love I, I, I love the fact that one of our predictions at the beginning of the year was Dak Prescott was going to win the MVP award. I, I, I saw it on uh, Jacob. <laughs> I'm going to put my top 10 teams up here for you now. Ten and four malt liquor. Oh yeah. Hey man, that's right. Colt 45. By the way, I love all these. Right? Get a 40. Ready to rock. Let's go, man. Yeah. I'm ready to roll. My grandpa loved 40s. You do that malt liquor. Yeah, anytime you want. I'm ready to roll, man. Analyzing or hoping for failure. I, hey, dude, one thing I want to tell you one more time, Forte will never get it. I sell the league. I sell the season. I sell football. I sell what I see every day. Do Is it, get this, is it better for me to be right on Monday 
that Seattle won or lost. I know some of you will say this. Cilio wants to be right Monday that Seattle won the game Sunday. That's not good for my show. You, you, you've got this backwards. I'm not hoping for your failure. I'm telling you what you're doing going into the game. You guys are like, think that I'm some sort of like wishful thinker or <laughs> that I'm like some sort of like prediction machine. I'm not. That's not how I do my show. God, my Lord. I mean, haven't you noticed this by now? It's better for me if the Eagles win Sunday, but that's not what I'm not going to. I have no trust in your defense whatsoever. None. I, I get this. I trust Tommy DeVito more than I trust the Philadelphia Eagle defense. At least they've won three straight. I mean, I trust Tommy DeVito. Okay. Thank you, Spine. I appreciate it, man. Some of you get I mean, listen, I'll say this. Most of the Eagle fans in here get it. It's just just a couple guys who just they don't want to see that reality. And what they'll do is they'll keep talking bullshit about their team being great, drinking that 10 and 4 sippy cup, all lick it up and got some got some like um THC in it. Man. Hey, hey here's some Eagle fans in here after their sippy cup. Man, we're 10 and 4, man. It's okay. We got killed. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're gonna be all right. We're gonna be all right. Everything's fine. How is God? Jalen's God. We're gonna be we're gonna be all right. All of a sudden, there's no more sippy cup. What happened? There's more juice in here. How do we get killed? What happened? You you wake up like out of a fog and you go, holy shit, man, we're not that good. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. How you doing? How many people believe you're going to beat Seattle on Sunday? Oh, Monday. How many people think you're going to win on Sunday? Or Monday, again. Excuse me. I'm drinking too much sippy cup. He hates that we're 10 and 3. Oh, yeah. I wish you were three and ten. Oh, yeah, okay. Easy win. I do. Yeah. If I were you, I'd go into every football game not taking one thing for granted. Because you don't have latitude. Been saying it since day one. You don't have the latitude to take anything for granted. You're not that good. You're good on offense. At times, but you're not good anywhere else. You like, there's nothing redeeming about your defense that has one quality to it. Run defense, future Carter and Davis, Reddick. Okay. Yeah, I like those three guys. The rest of them are bums. And that's not fair to sweat. But the rest of them, here, I'll. If I had to take people off your defense, I would take Sweat, 
Carter and Davis and Reddick. And the rest of them, you can have them. What about Reed Blankenship? Nah. Between him and Goddard, I got to worry about having backups on my roster because those two dudes will never be healthy. I don't want Goddard on my roster, and I love the guy. I do not. I'm not building my team around guys who aren't there and miss 25% of the season every year. Not happening. No, no thank you. This is about having guys show up every Sunday, not guys missing 25% of each year. That's not working for me. That's not how you win championships. You know, how many times you look at Brady and the Patriots roster that had a spectacular quarterback and a lot of pieces that anybody could have had. Amendola, Edelman, they found Gronk in the second round. They built an old line. They're defensive guys. I mean, did they have any first-rounders? Vince Wolfirk. I got to say, Revis had to have been a first-rounder. During that whole time, though, man, I mean, and get this, most of the guys when Belichick showed up were putting that off, were put on that defense by um, Pete Carroll, the Vrabels of the world, the Willie McGinnises of the world, the Troy Browns. Those guys, those guys were there the whole time. Hey, Gronk played hurt. I mean, Gronk stayed hurt. They had Aaron Hernandez, too. And get this, two dudes that were spectacular all pros that they didn't draft in the first round. Not one of them. Was it like they were building teams with first rounders? I've told you this before, man, and I'll continue to bring it up. Belichick and them guys up in New England, everyone's trying to duplicate it. The Kansas City Chiefs are trying to duplicate it by just having Patrick Mahomes. He ain't good enough. And he's got the tight end that Brady had. The rest of them were just dudes. We learned one thing about Patrick Mahomes. He ain't Tom Brady. And Andy Reid's not Belichick. Nobody puts that comparison in. That thing's falling apart. Brady did that for 20 years. Amendola, Edelman, those guys were nothing. Welker was not even drafted. He was a trade with the Dolphins and was cut by the Chargers. People make it sound... Like what they did in New England was something that everybody can duplicate. Buffalo's trying to duplicate that. That's not true. Belichick, that's right. That's right, Jermaine. They won with scrubs. They had a spectacular tight end, always. And dudes at wideout. Yeah, Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy, all those guys, Asante Samuel, were all brought in by Carroll. And, and at the first couple of years of build, early on, yeah. Those guys were there. It's like when, when Parcell showed up to New York. Dude, Sims and Taylor were in the building already. They were in the building. Harry Carson was in the building. They had an O-line and they had a defense that was already in the building. So when Parcell showed up, Lawrence Taylor's there with Harry Carson and Gary Reasons and Brad Van Pelt. You think you're going to win some games? I sure hope so. I mean, yeah, Masco's Brady carried the Pats. Brady carried the Pats because Belichick prepared him. 
And they did it with nobodies. Now everyone's trying that. Kansas City flounders. Get this. Andy Reid is a great play caller. You know how he's failing him? No talent around him. Why wouldn't you bring in DeAndre Hopkins for him? Because you thought he was Brady. He's not. Dude, there's only one of those dudes that ever played that could play with nobodies and win Super Bowls. That guy, like I said, he played with one Hall of Famer as a skilled guy in his huddle. And that was Gronk. The rest of them, the, with the teams that won Super Bowls, not one of those guys will ever see the inside of the Hall of Fame unless they buy a ticket. Okay? That's rare. That is rare. You've got to have everything going in the right direction at all times. Okay? Rare air. Keon, I didn't know Mike Evans played in New England. I didn't know he played in New England. I didn't know Antonio Brown outside of the Miami game played in New England. I did say New England. Who the frig do you think we were talking about with Belichick and Brady? The Jets? Purdy in the early 2000s, Brady are very close having a good team will help his development down the line when he was carrying the team. Shooter, he's got a great coordinator too. And you got to remember something with what Walsh did. Look at what Walsh did for Montana. After Montana won the Super Bowl in the 80 season, 81 season, when they won against the Bengals, they had guys like Freddie Solomon, Wendell Tyler, Burt Cooper. They didn't really have legitimate wide receivers. But what they saw was they saw a guy who could carry a football team. But they didn't know how many years he could carry a football team. What did they do? Walsh made sure he added Roger Craig, he found Jerry Rice at Mississippi Valley State. He found tight ends that would be functional like Franks. Isn't it funny? Not one old lineman is in the Hall of Fame. And only one wide receiver that Montana played with in his 15 years in San Francisco, one wide receiver that was drafted in San Francisco was Jerry Rice. The rest of them will never see the inside of a Hall of Fame but he knew to put people around him. Walsh's influence is still being felt with many of the offenses when you talk West Coast offense and spreading defenses out. In my opinion, he's one of the most influential men next to Don Coriel and Ernie Zampezi when it comes to moving the sticks down the field than any offensive-minded coach in the history of the league. Okay. Okay. Chris, 
I will correct you. I said winning Super Bowls in New England. Man, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the go back and watch the show later. When you're sitting on your toilet with your thumb in your mouth, go watch the game later. Let me give you now. John Taylor was good. He was a good ball player. I believe they found him. Am I right, Chris? Chris, didn't they find him at Delaware State? Chris, was he was he a Delaware State guy? John Taylor? University of Delaware or Delaware State? I could have sw- I could have swore he was up in that neck of the woods where he went to the college there. Um I, I I thought I thought he was. He was he's a Delaware State guy. Super Dave goes, Frank was our OC when we won the Super Bowl, and they brought in, brought him in to help Doug out along with Schwartz. DeFilippo, Doug was inexperienced. We didn't have any of that this time. Well, Dave, here, can I tell you why those guys were brought in? Those guys were all in that Mike McCoy mafia kind of stuff. These guys all have, look at where some of the coaches from the Eagles are now. They're down in, hey, you know what? I wouldn't be shocked if Deuce gets a job down in Jacksonville next year. I wouldn't be shocked at that. I wouldn't be shocked if Deuce is the running back coach in Cleveland next year. These guys all hang in the same circles, man. They all make sure they take care of one another, especially when you've had success at a stop like you did in Philadelphia. Those guys, Doug is very loyal. Frank is loyal. I think Nick's loyal. Okay? I appreciate you guys hanging in there. The internet's kind of in and out the last couple days here. I appreciate you guys hanging with us here. Um, Hey, by the way, uh, Tone will be with us at 3.30. Philly Godfather, not Philly Godfather, Philly 500, excuse me, will be with us at 5.30. Um. Eastern time, and we'll talk with him. You know, I'm, I'm going to get to we'll, – we'll do my top 10 NFL teams at the top here. Okay, we'll do that at the top. Don't forget, guys, please do me a favor. Our great promotion that we have going on with our friends at Hooters. So love it. We love the fact that you guys are involved with it. Fill out all, all the information. You'll see a code word that's going to be thrown out throughout the entire four-hour show. You can email us at show at gmail.com. We'll name the name of the winners on a football Monday, and good luck to you. We look forward to having you. And by the way, so many of the great people that showed up at King of Prussia, thank you again. I'll be getting tons of emails and tons of texts. Thank you guys again. Don't forget, Tuesdays, buy 10 wings, you get 10 free, 10 boneless free. Wing Wednesdays, that's the following day, 1983, all you can eat, kids eat for free. On Saturdays, don't forget, also our Santa Bucks. During this holiday season, they make for great stock, stuffing, uh, stocking stuffers for you to be able to go and give it to your friends there, man. NortheastTutors.com. That's NortheastTutors.com. Top 10 NFL teams, a little more on this Seattle game. Okay? Do you believe you're beating Seattle on Monday night? Hour number two. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card. This year, stuff their stockings and yours too with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Gift card.
cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now. Hooters gifts are always favored. Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Appreciate you guys coming aboard. Thank you very much. Don't forget, bottom of the hour, we will have our segment with our friend Tone, and then 5.30 Eastern time, Philly 500 will join us, and we will talk with him. You know, one more time on this topic here with how they're not fully developing. Jalen Hurts is not being developed right now. He's not. You're stunting his growth. How about this? Let's be fair. How many people believe that the loss of Brian Dable was a thing in Buffalo and that Josh Allen walked back for about a year and a half under Ken Dorsey? Yes or no? You, do, do you think Brian Dable not being there hurt him? Yes or no? How about this? Do you think Frank Reich being in Philly 
and then not being in Philly hurt Carson Wentz. How he figured he could fix it in season like last year by bringing in Leonard and Byard and his gambling has not paid off. Don't understand. It's good to build your team preseason. I, I don't – yeah, there's a better chance you could rebuild your team in the offseason than during the season because then you're just getting street walkers. So get this. So the Eagles hurt Carson Wentz's development. And now they've hired an inexperienced coordinator for Hurts. Do these people know how to develop quarterbacks in Philly? Or are you a professional at ruining them? Do you think there's any coincidence to that? Again, it's not ruining, but it's stunting on Hertz right now. The same process that it took for Wentz to slowly and then eventually fall off the cliff. Hey, the hit. Sure, we could say Seattle hit. The the injury, the drafting. You can add all those intangibles in. The Eagles did him no favors by some of the shitty player coaches they brought in and some of the shitty personnel decisions how we made at receiver. It wasn't like they were helping him. Or Doug. It's kind of like repeating itself. But once again, the Kool-Aid of the 10-3 and record sits there in front of you and you go, oh, this will be okay. Why? How come I I am putting this out there? Yeah, Keon goes, your boy Doug was there. Yeah, they sabotaged him to a point where the general manager rigged the last game. Dude, you guys, that is like one of the hidden things that you're not supposed to talk about in Philly about Roseman throwing a game at the end of Doug's tenure. We're not supposed to talk about that. Because you guys are supposed to forget that. Yeah. It's like talking about Deshaun and Shady being cut off the team two years later. You win the Super Bowl. I get it. You guys don't really like that. You were trash that year. The old roster was. That whole roster was trash. I thought that was Howie's job. Hey, so you're telling me Doug Peterson's last season, Doug takes all the heat and the general manager doesn't take all the heat for coaching that shit box of a roster? Holy cow. I know how you do business in Philly now. You look for scapegoats. Nick. This is easy. That was a horrible roster. Four eleven and one is not reaching. That's the result of a shitty roster that Howie built. Doug shows you he's a good coach. It's Howie's shitty roster. It's Howie's shitty roster on defense now. Nothing's changed except the Kool Aid. This is so, you take the record away, how he gets an F.
Kyle Shanahan for Brock Purdy, Mike McCarthy for Dak Prescott. And, and by the way, hey, Brian Johnson should take the job if offered the OC in Philly. He should take it. Who wouldn't take it? Who, but who in the right mind would offer that to a guy you just paid $50 million to? Sue goes, so what's the fix? There is no fix. You're not winning a Super Bowl with that guy running your team. When it's 17. Yeah, I know. I don't I can't believe it. If he duplicates that again, you know it's funny. You guys are gonna go, he won one in 17. Jerry Jones won three. Jerry Jones gets this done to him. Well, he didn't win it. Jimmy did. Yeah, 17. He didn't win it. Doug did. How we didn't win that Super Bowl. Doug won it. Doug's trying. What Howie's done to Doug Peterson is, a, is, is, is on display in that coaching staff this year. And how he controls everything. Every single thing that Doug fought for is playing out now in the battles that those two had when it came to how you build a team, how you run a team, how you win with a team is playing out now. By the way, do I think Howie is a great and brilliant uh, contract builder and great maneuver of money? Yeah. That's why he comes from the salary cap. Remember something. Roseman doesn't come from personnel. Howie Roseman came from the salary cap department. That's his history. He came from the salary cap and finances. What would a guy who has a pocket calculator know about somebody who plays Mike Linebacker? Because he watched TV and he stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. What would make you think that? Because he's been around the game. He listens to his analytic guys. Dude, that must have been a shit show behind the scenes in Philly when Doug was in the building. There is no way on hell. Hey, let me throw this at you here. Do you think Doug Peterson would have hired Julio Jones or put Rashad Penny on the team? He'd have fought that. And we don't need that. I'm good with Zacchaeus. I think he's a good ball player. I like the way he blocks in the run game. What, what's the problem there? What, what's, what's the disconnect? Julio Jones? Again, it's like another signing of fool's gold. Big name guy. I'm not looking for a big name guy. I'm looking for a playmaker. I'm looking for a guy that helps my team. Doesn't have so you sign a guy with a big name with nothing left. I'd rather have a younger player with something left and no name. That gives me more of an opportunity to develop. But see again, player development in Philly at linebacker, it's nothing, it's a nothing burger.
Calvin goes, Doug wanted out. Can't blame him. Wanted out because he had no say. Dude, here's my point. You keep... I, I, I look at Brock Purdy. You guys took a giant shit on him for the whole year saying this guy's nothing. He's a nobody. Okay. Him or Dak are going to win the MVP award. And by the way, it's still yet to be determined, too. He's only played 18 games. So let me back up a little bit and pump the brakes myself. Unlike you, who gave Hertz a, a uh, $250 million contract after 17 games. So let me – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pump the brakes because I said that yesterday. Um, I want to wait on Purdy a little more, too, uh, because it's only 18 ball games. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait. Because that's a little too early and too too early of a sample size. Unlike you. Agreed. And then the old line, and then the one linebacker you do develop, you let him walk in free agency. Dude, don't you get it too? When when you had a guy like TJ Edwards, who's not a great backer, but he's an NFL linebacker. You can't have an all-star at every position. You gotta have good ball players. Dude, T.J. Edwards is a prototypical NFL guy. Half the league is undrafted. You found a UDFA. You turned him into a tackling machine. Great in covering tight ends? No. Um, is he great in pass coverage period? No. But can he fill a gap? Oh, yeah. Is Can he tackle? Yeah. He's one of the better sure tacklers, one of the top tacklers in the NFL. That's played out in Chicago. He's won two straight. Okay, Chicago's kind of walking it back a bit here. I'm not saying they're going to do anything, but I don't know, last couple weeks, first time they won two in a row. Fields looks a little better. Defense tightened up. And who's the centerpiece of the defense up there in Chicago? T.J. Edwards. T.J. Edwards is helping a shitty Bears defense these last three weeks. Kind of try to find, get this, you want to hear something even more obnoxious? The Bears defense is going in the right direction and the Eagle defense is going in the wrong direction. And what's the common denominator? Edwards. That's not by coincidence. That's not by coincidence. Always remember this. Morrow was cut by the Bears. And he was cut by the Eagles. TJ was given a contract. Six and a half million bucks. Hurts is beating teams with one leg. Oh, now he's hurt. Keep coming up with another excuse. Why don't you just say it's shitty coaching, shitty analytics. Your head football coach, I've been telling you since day one, he's not that good. Again, fool's gold record in a shitty NFC. He's not that good. What's he do? What is Sirianni's job? To meddle in the game plan, to scream and holler on the sidelines, and to jump in front of the camera. I don't know what else he does. Oh, the players like playing for him. Sure, I like playing for that too. Get out of my way. Don't say anything to me. 
how he runs the show, same like in Dallas. Mike McCarthy's not going to get in the player's face. You know, Mike McCarthy's probably getting more respect, though, in the Cowboy locker room this year than he's ever had since he's been there. And I'll tell you why. Because the result's on the field. You know, the one thing, you don't have to scream at crowds and tell everybody that you're a player's coach and you love everything. All you got to do is go out and win and show that a player's getting better. I got more respect for Mike McCarthy than Nick Sirianni right now. He's turned the quarterback around. They've imploded. Not quite. That's not. It's over the top. He's not imploded. But you're not helping him. You're not. You're not high. You think the Eagles have helped or hurt Jalen Hurts this year? You think they've helped or hurt him? We're going into week 15. It's pretty easy to say. Got a couple games left. You think you've helped or hurt him? Or it's either this, he's not quite as good as you think he is. Which is it? Or is it both? Which is it? It's either one or the other. Either the Eagles didn't do a good job at putting proper people around him. Same personnel. You hired an offensive coordinator that's worse than Nick, and you got two of two, two and five type mentality offensive coordinators coaching a player who's 10 and three. That's what this is. You know it. Hurts is 10 and three. Jalen Hurts is not on that football team. You're a five win team at best this year. You're five wins, six wins, okay? You're fighting for 500 maybe if you don't have Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is 10-3. and Those coordinators, Nick and Brian, are two and five guys. Tell me that doesn't look like that. Hertz says that, or uh, Barb says that Hertz accepts no criticism ever. Um, I don't think you have to worry about that with Jalen. I think that the criticism that people give him far way in lesser weight to him than the criticism he gives himself. Jalen Hertz is 10 times more harder on him than any media idiot like me could ever be on him. And that's when he's playing at his best. So I don't think you have to worry about whether or not Hertz is getting enough criticism from some talking fathead like me versus what he thinks about himself. So to me, I'm not worried about that with him. I think he is probably under a sense of urgency right now like nobody in the NFL. And I would put my entire reputation on that, that he thinks that, that he is in a sense of urgency right now, like no player in the league after what's gone on the last two weeks. Jalen Hurts is not just blowing it off as some sort of like Kool-Aid drink like some of you in here do. I think, quite frankly, 
he's under more of a sense of urgency than he's ever been in his career, maybe since Alabama. But he's got a calm demeanor about himself. It's the way he handles himself in front of his teammates. You know what that is? You don't want your leader panicking in front of your team. Because when you see that, it panics the entire boat. When you when your ship maybe is going down and your captain is starting to panic, the entire crew's going to panic. And so what he's doing as the leader of that team, he's keeping his poise through adversity. I want to see what Nick does. My question is not about Jalen Hurts during this time. I Can I tell you that this might be the greatest thing ever happened or the worst thing ever happened to the Eagles? If this was Carson Wentz, 4-11, this could result into something great. It could galvanize your group if you have the right guy and the right people and the right person to follow. That's the beautiful thing about football. It's one or the other. Now, sometimes two things can be right. But to sit there and tell me that you think Jalen Hurts, I, I have no, I mean, if a guy like Ruben Frank or Dan Cilio or Angelo want to criticize Jalen, I think Jalen probably looks at that as poison like Saban calls it, because internally he has his own criticism. That's a guy that's never satisfied. You got to understand that. He's not a very happy guy, even with the 50 million, even with the success that he's having. He's not happy. You know why? If you're happy, that means you've looked up. He's never happy. He can't be happy because you know why? People who are striving for perfection are never happy because they know they can't attain it. How calm was Mahomes after the loss to the Bills? Okay. He apologized, came out, and knew immediately he was wrong after 24 hours. That's one of the shitty things I hate about our media. As soon as after a mic, after a loss, you put a mic in front of the guy, you get raw emotion, and some people don't like it. Did I go overboard yesterday with it? Probably. Because, again, when you lose something like that and you invested your life into something like that, and you put your heart and soul into it, and you have so much frustration with drops all year, guys lining up off sides. And I get the point now, because you know what I did? I went back and watched it too. The wide receiver lined up five different times off sides, and the refs didn't call it. But they called it in that moment of the game. I think that was the frustration of the Chiefs. Was it right to call it? Yeah. Well, when they say that they call, do you know the majority of the time that they called that offsides on? You know what it was on? It was on the brotherly shove. So, I mean, you got to remember that they situationally called that. And I think that was part of the frustration that you had there with Reed and with Mahomes. I'm going to give a two-time Super Bowl MVP the benefit of the doubt. Wouldn't you? Let's go to our friend. We go to Tone here, and I appreciate you coming aboard here, Tone. Yes, sir. You How know, you feeling after uh, another day here? Uh, I feel fine. I feel I feel pretty good. Um, I'm still I'm still ripping ass. You know, all you know, you know, until about Thursday or Friday. So 
these coaches are definitely going to still, uh, you know, get hands and feet put on them, best believe. But you said something really interesting. Um, the whole Doug Wentz dynamic versus the Nick Hurts uh, dynamic, right? You know, one could argue Hurts and Doug were better suited for each other rather than, you know, Nick and Hurts. And can you imagine if Nick and Wentz were in the same building? It would be a spaz fest. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? It would be it, an emotional I, spaz fest. You are, wow. Think wow. about that. So it's so funny how life works. And it's so funny how sometimes you're – sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Can you imagine if once if once decided to stay here? We never would have probably saw Hurts become what he became. Because of so much money tied up into him, he probably wouldn't even have to really earn the competition that they tried to bait him into. He wasn't. Because how he's not going to move off his off his pick or off the money they gave him. Exactly. So um, imagine Jalen Hurts and Doug Peterson, the type of accountability, the type of accountability that would have existed in you know in that relationship, and the type of pressure it would have put on Howie Roseman. Think about it. He would have forced Howie out. It probably would have forced Howie to um if Doug wins that Super Bowl 10 months ago, Howie's fired. Because then Doug would have been right. Hey, listen, man, you might be on to something. Wait, I'm gonna show you this now. Tone, <laughs> don't you think the coincidences are kind of ironic and they parallel? So think of this. After they win the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and rights out of the building, right? One of the things that Doug Peterson has they brought in and Doug wanted these people in around him to help. He didn't want Howie's analytics analytics guys. He wanted his guys to give him more insight on how a game plan that had to have without a doubt been the bump Mm -hmm. between them two. Here's the information. Yeah, we'll use some of it. Here's our information. Just think about it. I think you've got two coaching staffs in the building. Just think about it. Doug Doug wanted to elevate Press Taylor. He already had a vision for who he wanted to take over his staff after, you know, Jim Schwartz and Frank left. So I say that to say, if think about how, how, how that would make Howie look in the long run. Doug is slowly implanting his people and slowly phasing out Howie's people. That would have like phases out Howie. Slowly. But surely, and look, you guys, Eagles fans, this is us spitballing here. We're having fun. But the fact of the matter is. It sure looks what's going on now. Things are starting to play out and look a certain way. I've Again, I will I, I will hold on to this. The way Nick Sirianni looked on that sideline in that Cowboys game, he looked like he had no control over what was happening in front of him. I know, I know a man in panic mode. I know what those eyes look like. That's what I saw on Sunday night. So, um, you know, we'll see. What let, me, let me let me put that back together again for you. So let's let's do this. Wentz after Wentz and Frank leave, mm-hmm. Doug gets more control of the play column, which he's gotten better. But he also has Mike McCoy down there with him, mm-hmm. and isn't DiFilippo down there with him too? No, no, no. Frank, no, um, John DiFilippo's not down there with him. Um, is he in Cleveland? He was actually he was at one point, but John DeFilippo actually, um, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I think he's coaching in the XFL or the USFL. Oh, okay, that's right. He was coaching the New Orleans Breakers. Yep, yep, that's right, that's right, yeah. that's right, that's right. Okay, yeah. but so, yeah, but, but he's largely he's largely responsible for Carson Wentz's fundamentals 
uh, you know, in his development. He's he's the one of the main reasons why Carson Wentz was playing the way he was playing in that 2017 season. Look at all those quality coaches around Wentz that Doug put around him. Then when when frankly's the roster starts eroding, like we see the defense and the roster eroding, mm-hmm. it starts eroding. There's lesser talent. There's lesser talent on the sidelines. There's a conflict between the head coach and the GM mm-hmm. when it comes to structural power. And all of a sudden, Doug leaves. What do they do? They hire a first-year head football coach, a first-year first coordinator. coordinator, another first-year coordinator. They hire all these guys before they even hire the head they, coach. They hired three first-year coordinators, actually. Before they even hired the head coach. Yeah. yeah. And, and get this. Then what they do is, as they get rid of Wentz, they have a coordinator and Shane Steichen. See, to me, that was a Frank Reich recommendation. It now makes sense. Frank knows, because you know what he said about Steichen? One of the greatest boutique game plan builders you will ever see is Shane Steichen. That sold Jeffrey Laurie. You brought that guy in. He was right. You had good personnel on defense. Jonathan Gannon didn't really have to defend that much. Play center field, shitty quarterbacks, fool's gold here. Get this now. Why in the world do you turn around and look at it and you you go like this? Shane was really great for Jalen. You go from Shane Steichen, who could win the NFL Coach of the Year award, to a guy who's never been a coordinator unless he was in college. And when you look at the, the MVP candidates, Dak, McCarthy, Purdy, Shanahan, the guy in Baltimore, even the co- even the coordinator down in Miami with Tua. You get this guy? And again, I'm not saying – I don't know Brian Johnson from a can of paint, but right. I know this. He's not qualified to be in that – like. If you were looking at all those coordinators, he's not qualified to be in that room with them dudes. You're not helping Hurts, dude. Yeah, You're doing the same shit to him that you did to Wentz at the end. The difference is is that Jalen's medal is going to supersede failure on the sidelines. And my problem is with Hurts, he needs to show some cannolis and stand up a little more and combat some of these calls. Because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it can't look that chaotic, Tone. It, it just can't look that disjointed. Here's your identity. Your defense sucks. Your offense has no identity. That's who you are going into week 15. That's Absolutely. actually pathetic and frightening. Yeah, it, it is when you think about the amount of talent um, on the defensive side. I'm, so, I'm sorry, the amount of talent on the offensive side. Um, the the talent people. on the D-line. Um, and then on top, see, see, there was on, on the defensive side, there's a miscalculation at the miscalculation at the miscalculation. On the offensive side, there's miss, there's there, there, there's there's no real identity and goal being achieved on the offensive side of the ball. I'm like, you know, every team you can, for the most part, at this point in the season, all the contenders, you can kind of look at them and know what they're trying to get done, right? And with the Philadelphia Eagles. It seems like they're literally trying to throw shit at the wall until it sticks. And, you know, you you asked the question earlier, do I believe um, the Philadelphia Eagles or, 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 or do the people believe that the Eagles are going to beat the Seattle Seahawks? Um, 
I want to believe they will. Do I still have my questions and concerns? Absolutely. And they have to, at this point, they're on a, I'll put it to you this way. The Eagles are on a prove it deal with me every week. That's where I'm at with them right now. Has that, has that loss, these two losses made you pause on the team? Like still to this day, I pause on Arizona and the Cowboys because the Cowboys could have one of those games. Or do you think teams grow into being more confident because as you get your ass kicked like that, and then the Niners kick your ass, and then you start winning these games, and then you have an epiphany game. And I think every year there's a benchmark game in a season that could turn the team's mentality up or turn the team's mentality down. I think there's a pivot game. Every year you play with mm. every team, there's a pivot game. I'm sure there was a pivot game so do you in the think, 17th season. Wasn't it the Atlanta game? In the, 17, in the 17th season, the pivot game kind of came faster than it. 17 is weird because when Carson Wentz got hurt. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was two seasons. Right, but you can make an argument that Rams game was a pivot game, but it came it came in such a way that it, it could either make you or break you. Was it the Giant game the following week? Yeah, and he came out and balled that game, and then he and, the, and, the, and then he sucked against the Raiders, and then I think they then uh, I think they lost to the Cowboys in the final one, but that was because of um, if I'm not mistaken, I think they just benched everybody. I think. I think he but, had three touchdowns in that giant game. You no, know, yeah, in that giant game, yeah, he um he outdoed Eli. That was a pretty good game. But um, nonetheless, though, you know, I'm looking at this team now, and you you asked me a question, like, do I think what's what's been going on these past couple of games could this be a a come to Jesus moment, basically? Yeah. And and essentially, do like, do I believe teams have to go through this kind of situation? I do. I do believe every team has to have that one situation where. You're either going to go left or you're going to go right. Every team has that fork in the road. Niners moment. had a three-game losing streak. They did. They did. But we were able to make sense of that. Injuries. Correct. You know what I mean? We were yep. we were able to kind of put the math together with that. Okay, you're missing Trent Williams. You're missing Debo for a couple of games. There was careful. a micro. There was a micro. But still, was a it was a three-game losing streak. comment that you so. could see that was in front of us. Here with this, this has been something that's gone on since the offseason. This has been something that's been brewing for a that's while. That's why it's more difficult it, to come to grips with, I think, Tone, because as long as you have – I don't want to use the word excuse or there's a reason why the Niners lose three because they have these guys out. When you start to look at the Eagles situation, you're you're looking at what happened in the offseason and what's happened in season, and now you're starting to put these things together going, I got it. Shit, man. I, I got it. You know what makes this you, – you, you want to know what makes the Philadelphia Eagles situation so scary for me? It's not like they're experiencing things outside of their control. They're experiencing issues that they have had all 10 fingerprints on and they have full control over, and yet they're still failing. They're 10 and 3. And I know a lot of people, when you say that they're failing, but they're 10 and 3, make it make sense. The fact of the matter is, the record only gets you to the party. The, the, the record don't, <laughs> you, you don't lead a girl with the record. You know what I mean? The, the, the record don't get you to prom queen. The record gets you your ticket to the prom. But you don't leave with the prom queen because of a record. The so record's low hanging fruit in this conversation. It, 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 right exactly. Now. When you're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles, I don't give a, f I don't give a damn about the record. I don't Dan, give a you damn got, about the record. You got Rob so fired up today. I heard an f bomb come out of him. I was hey, kind of shocked, man. Hey, listen, you fired I'm, you fired him up so much. A WIP guy had an f bomb on his show today. I was I'm like, sparking oh, Rob up. That's my guy, man. I'm sparking him up. His ass up. I'm sparking him up. I love him. I love Rob, man. But um, you know. 
when when people continue to talk, especially at this point, right? Because this is a week to week league. When people continue to talk about the record, I look at them as them not seeing the bigger picture, and I look at them as being more emotional than anything. I look at them as playing defense rather than offense. And what I mean by that is you're trying so hard to protect something instead of going hard to try to take something. And I'm trying to take a Super Bowl. I'm not trying to protect their their, hunger. I'm not trying to protect the record. I don't want to say they lost their hunger. I think they lost faith in what they're doing. I think they've. I, Did I, they I think ever they, have it? That's a great question. And when you think about the way this season has gone and how herky jerky things have been, I have no doubt that these players are probably looking at each other like, "Yo, I mean, we're winning." But how many times have Jalen Hurts walked off the sideline shaking his head on certain series where he just doesn't know the direction of what they're doing, and he looks? I mean, let me tell you something. That overtime. That that overtime was all hurts mm-hmm. against Buffalo. Yep. That was hurts at his best. That's the that was, you, know, you know the best he's played. That was, that was one of his best drives I've ever seen. Let me tell you this: that overtime with Jalen Hurts, surgical, was the best moment of the year for him because it was all him. All he him. couldn't stop him. He was a force. And then what do they do? They stop doing that shit. When that guy plays like that, that guy's worth every cent. That he's paid. When you play him the way he's been playing now, I'm sorry, man. He's not going to win Super Bowls playing one-dimensional. He is a multifaceted, talented kid, which makes him a unicorn. He's unique. When you have Debo Samuel is a unicorn because he can do multiple things. Christian McCaffrey is a unicorn. When you have guys like that tone, they're huddle changers. Mm-hmm. They're I mean. Not you can game, ha- finding breakers. a seven-step drop guy like Joe Burrow or some of these other guys, dude. It, it's it's impossible finding one of those kind of guys. You can find him in the fifth round, the sixth round, the second round, anywhere. Isn't it funny? The great quarterbacks of all time. I mean, some of Manning lived up to it. Montana third, but, but, but Brady six, um, Russell Wilson third. Kurt Warner cut six no, times. No, I mean, you, you bring up an interesting point. You know, like Peyton, like you said, Peyton Manning lived up to it. But did he? Not really. I think you know he what I mean? Yeah, you, know, you know what I mean? But, but but anyway, that's a separate conversation. Um, The fact of the matter is, though, um, Jalen Hurts is in a situation where he has to be the stabilizer. And he has to be the one to but I rally trust the troops. That. And I trust, I trust him. He's the only part of this situation that I trust. Isn't that crazy? And I think that's important. But my question is, is it enough in the long run? See, because watch this tone. I don't trust Purdy without Kyle. I don't trust the defense. I don't trust. You but know, I trust Hurts without Nick. Get them to. How about this? The one thing I'll say about Jalen that I still have not lost faith in. Jalen's going to do everything in his power to get to the fourth quarter and give us a chance. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is what he's fighting. He's fighting against inadequate help. I mean, I don't think the Josh Sweat is a microcosm of what we're talking about here. So you don't have enough depth in edge rushers. You don't have a lot of depth anywhere at corner. You don't have a lot of depth anything over in that side. It just seems to me that they have a structure on how they go about their business, and they don't waver off it. No backs, no linebackers, no depth, no yeah, gear. It's Defense no is all plug and play, same system. Dude, it's not that the team. You know when D Gun saying that the other day, it's not that the team is predictable; the organization is predictable. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it, it's one thing to have a philosophy, 
you know, that you, you know, that you try to stick to. Like every, I feel like every organization should have a base philosophy, right? They should have an identity, right? But you should never be so married to your philosophy where you can't just see the forest from the trees. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you should be able to say, hmm, I know we do things this way, but this guy is, this guy will really help us. Let me make this move here. Like you, you, you can, you should never be afraid to pivot. Just because you pivot slightly doesn't mean you're abandoning your abandoning your philosophy. It just means that you it just means that you're taking a chance on something. You cannot get anywhere you want to go without taking the without taking any kind of let risk. Me, let me let me let me show you something here about the New England Patriots. People always want to know, oh, what's their identity? You know what their identity was? They could be anything they needed to be on any given Sunday and what they needed to do to beat you. Mm-hmm. They were multifaceted. Look at the guys they had on defense, Tone. Mm-hmm. The Vrabels of the world, the Teddy Brewskis of the world. They had multi-part guys who could put their hands in the dirt, stand up. They weren't maybe the greatest players. Their corners were always good. You know what they always had? They had versatile players on their team. I'll take this step further. They invested in those versatile players on the team, and they had great coaches on that side of the ball. They were never the top flight guys. Get this. They were never the top paid guys. When Rebus wanted money, they moved him. Then he came back. Brady was never like, how about this? Brady was never the highest paid player in the history of the NFL and his time in New England. That was by design. Listen, I'll take it a step further, right? The Patriots, they didn't believe in bringing in big name receivers. They don't, nope. they, they, don't they, they didn't believe in that. But you know what they did? They, they, they went against their philosophy just one time, brought in Randy Moss, had an undefeated, and, and he was good. Had an undefeated season, had Tom Brady's best statistical season of his career, right? But they didn't win at all. But the fact of the matter is, my, my point is... Year and a half later, they move off them. Right. But my, my point is, they weren't afraid to slightly pivot from their philosophy if it meant making the team better. And I don't think they lost that Super Bowl because of Randy. Randy showed up in that game. No, no, no. no. But the fact of the matter is, they still lost it. My overall point, again, is they still weren't afraid to pivot and they ended up going undefeated that entire season except for Super Bowl and came within that close to winning the game. So you should never be afraid to pivot slightly. You should never be afraid. They're not pivoting in Philly. Keon goes, they were lucky to have Brady who took pay cuts. You know, I told you I did sports talk radio at WEI and I had Brady. It's not common. It's not common. The the, the NFLPA hated Brady for that. It's not common. What Otani's doing with his contract with the Dodgers. That's insane. He sent that money out so that – that Andrew Friedman, the general manager of the team and the president of the team, could go out and get players and keep adding players. They're going on a shopping spree because of that. Let, let me let me tell you why it's important, Tone, what Brady did. And I asked Brady when he was on the show with me at WEI. I said, Tom, am I getting this right? Is, is it that you don't take the highest salary because you're reinvesting in the team and you're investing yourself and your money so that they can bring in players, top flight old linemen, defensive guys if they need. He goes, totally. If you don't invest financially yourself and you take the highest salary, you're going to be Mahomes right now. And so what he would do is he would give money back. And he would give the money back to the team. His problem at the end tone, why he left, they weren't putting money back into the roster. That's why he left. Because they weren't filling the cabinet. That was the discord. You know, all them years, that 20 years, those three decades. Or, or, or they were missing every time they tried. Or they, they were kept, missing on guys kept, like they kept missing. Uh, the, the, the uh, wide receiver from Arizona State. You brought up a great State. point, though, because 
you know, you brought up a great point, but here's the caveat, right, that we can't ignore. He happened to be in an organization that he trusted. And the sad part about it is, I understand the Patriots don't have the greatest history beyond Brady. I understand that, but Robert Kraft took over because he brought that team in the 90s, right? But when, when Kraft took over, the history took over because, remember, they went to a Super Bowl with Parcells too. Right, so so um, he he was a part of an organization that he can trust. He trusted they cared about winning. Some of these quarterbacks, they're in organizations that, you know what, I don't trust you, so I'm, I'm getting my money because I don't trust you in the long run. For example, the Chargers. Herbert don't trust them. That's why he that's why that's, that's why he got him for what he got him for. The um the the just Deshaun Watson. He doesn't trust them. That's you why think he, that comes with entitlement being a one versus being a, being a three or, 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 or being a first a first overall pick. No, or, being a first rounder versus oh, first rounder, first round. Oh, that's a good point. Sixth round pick versus being the third round pick. Aren't you gonna have more latitude going? Hey, I wasn't a first round pick. We have to have better players on my team. You know what? You bring up a good point because here's the thing: even though even though Hertz is getting, even though Hertz is a fifty million dollar a year guy, his cap hits correct aren't destroying the team. So that's that's his Brady move. You feel what I'm but, saying? But they but would never have signed him to that fifty million dollar deal if he hadn't agreed to that. Yes, yes, yes. Because you know why? Because that, that goes be into Howie Sandbox. On being able to play with the roster like he does. Because if he had had the same cap hits that Daniel Jones has, that deal does not get done. And there's more, and there's more of an aggravated conversation going back and forth between the two with Nicole Lynn and them. But because yeah. they agreed, and by the way, who wouldn't want their money up front anyway? I'm gonna agree to that too. And remember, the negotiations were so smooth and so silent. So Jalen Hurts. Knew what he wanted, and you know what mean you and I would do: put the money in the bank, and we're good with it. Okay, I'd rather have it now than later. Put it in the bank. Okay, put it in the bank. I'll be honest. I love what Otani did. I love what he did. Yeah, because because you know what he he, get this. Can I tell you what that that move also does? Because of taxes in California, what that does when you defer it, you have lesser taxes being taken out of your Mm -hmm. money when you defer that money. So, like, Tone, it's like having a credit card. When you buy something. In the it's like putting your money in escrow. Right. Your it's, just, net, it's, right. It's, it's waiting for you. It's You're accruing you. interest on it. Yep. It's just waiting for you. Right. So, that actually, that $700 million deal turns into an $800 million deal because he deferred the money out instead yep. of taking the lump sum up front, which actually came in and destroyed it. Exactly. And on top of that, he's getting so much money off the field, you know, and – he, you know the just, commercials he makes in Japan right now? He's the number he, one star in Japan right now when it comes it. to like, well, He's not stupid. Like he, He's basically guaranteed $680 million for the back end of his life. That's that's genius. And I and I, personally, I think he'll probably get 10% more money added on to that because of the exactly. investment that he made with the deferral. Exactly. Because I deferred money out like that. Tony, I, I want to I ask you these questions here. Yeah. I brought this up earlier. These are Howie's 2023 mistakes. And you tell me if you think these have been mistakes. And give me a grade on what, on how high. How about this? I'm going to try to monitor my hindsight. Um, but go ahead. I'm going to try to monitor my hindsight. But go ahead. Slot corner. Is it, what did, it, he, did he replace the slot corner? Are you talking about CJ GJ? Because he was playing safety. Okay. I'm talking about slot corner. Okay. Epps. Well, well Epps is a safety too. Okay. 
Um, slot was uh, Avante Maddox and Zach McPherson. They tore, they both got hurt this year, tore the ACLs. So he has no slot corner right now. Um, no, no slot corner. So yeah, he, yeah. So he didn't um, retool that thing. That thing is an F. Yeah, I'll put it to you this way. He did. He 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 didn't add enough corner depth. I'll put it that way. Right. That, that's, that's well. Here, let me. I want to go down this list. Let me okay. Go down okay. This go, list. Ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Did he replace the will? You know, you said something no. today that I I completely agree with on Kaiser. But watch this. Okay, you're right. Kaiser, you can move off him. Sure, 117 tackles, no problem. He's he. You can move off him. But did they replace him? Bingo. And no. I mean, okay, so wait. Because remember, you I told had, you. You, could, you had a guy, Tone, that you could replace, and you didn't. Because remember, remember. You and me and everyone in yeah. Philly and around the country, yeah, you know, you could replace Kaiser, but you couldn't. Yeah, and my mindset was bringing TJ back, moving the Kobe to the will, or the off ball, let's put it that way. The Kobe off ball, and that way you're still secured at that position to a degree. You feel me? So they just it was a anyway. Go ahead. It's a miscarriage okay, how, how much of a disaster on a scale of one to ten do you think the Dean decision has affected the defense? Ten, because because you you you've put you put so you've put so much of your eggs in that one basket. You banked on the Kobe Dean being this. Game changer all offseason. You sold him to us as if he was going to be the next great Eagles linebacker. He has the green dot. He's the future. You had him. You you, you had you had him in cryo sleep all all his rookie season. He didn't play at all the rookie year. You had him just sitting. You know, just you know, just resting. And then you bring him out and you you spice him up, and he comes out and gets hurt the first game. Goes on IR. Comes back for a few games. Goes on IR again. It's a huge disaster because your linebacker position is your worst position group. On, on your football team, and you have yet to leader, find guys that can legit. leader depth, quarterback of the defense, all of that. You put so much on his plate. You put so much. Ma- you put so many of your eggs on his basket, and now he's on IR twice in one season. That's a colossal failure. Now this is a Monday morning quarterback thing, so I got to always remember that, and it's right. hindsight. The Bradbury contract extension and the signing of. Slay. So I put it this way. Hmm. I think they failed in the offseason at putting depth at the corner positions. You could have went into the draft and done a better job at the at the corner position. You could have hmm. looked at more corners that were available to bring in because your cornerbacks right now, your cornerback position room is not good at all. I mean, Slay is getting hammered because of a shit defense. He's not horrible. He's right. okay. And I'm all right. Pay, you know, I think he's still overpaid. But the Bradbury deal, which makes yeah. me go, all right, I would have signed him too. Okay? I would have signed him too. But, Tone, I think they did a poor job at evaluating that room when it came to putting depth around it at least. Yeah, um, I, I agree. You know, it's so funny. James Bradbury – when you when they gave him the contract, you understood why, right? Yeah, he had you, a great year last year. Had a great year, second team All Pro. He was he was damn near flawless. He yeah, I argu- thought he was really good. He was arguably your best corner. Yep, on the field. So I understood the mindset in paying him because when they paid him, I would have too. I would have paid him too. But remember, 
They only paid him because they couldn't get CJGJ. Their number one priority was CJGJ. They couldn't come to terms with him. Bradbury was the secondary option. And then Slay went off on a tangent about, you know, not coming back. And he jumped out the window when he shouldn't have. He should have just kept quiet. Everything would have worked out for the best. He made, he made something into nothing, but that's a separate conversation. The fact of the matter is, if I obviously, if I know what I know now, I'm not bringing James Bradbury back. But at the time, I can't kill the decision. Now, what I will say is, to your point about them loading up in the in, in the cornerback room, they didn't do enough in the draft. Uh, Keely Ringo in the fourth round, um, I'll admit, I was high on him when they got him. But I knew he had a lot of things that they needed to work on, like, for example, those stiff-ass hips. Um, but again, you know, you had two first-round picks. You draft Jalen Carter. You draft Which Nolan right Smith. Move. And Jalen Carter was the right move. Nolan Smith at the time, I, I, I liked it because I felt like it gave you edge rusher depth. But since you're not using him, now looking at it like, damn, what was the point? Because you could have drafted, drafted a corner at that Let at me that ask pick. you this here before you go on here. Let me, show, let me ask you this. I heard you say something earlier. Throw the guy out there. Just throw Yeah. You yeah, but wait. So Keely Ring, they throw out there. He has two embarrassing plays in a row. You throw him out there. That's what you get when you throw him out there. I'm not saying I'm not for that. Why won't they throw Nolan Smith out there? Can I tell you why? I don't think Howie Roseman wants another first-round guy to look like shit out there and unprepared or not ready to play. And in my opinion, because he just whacked Derek Barnett, this guy's an impression guy. You know what I'm saying about first-round edge rushers. He's not had a very good track record, and I could see it in your eyes right now. You know what I'm talking about is mm -hmm. right when it comes to how that guy is perceived. Perception of how, look, how people look at him um, is important as it is yeah. building the team. The Eagles care about the, the Eagles care about their PR tremendously. tremendously. Him more so than ever because of that. I'll mm -hmm. give you an inside thing here. So Bob Lang over at the Eagles, you know what? Because I said some negative things about Howie Roseman on my program. Those guys were like this. Why should I put the general manager on your foot on your show when you criticize him? I said, hey man, geez, okay. So you don't want to put the general manager or the coach on my, cause I, I criticized the GM. I was like, then I'll tell you what, cause I did this with the Buccaneers before too. I didn't have anybody on. I was still doing 10 shares. I don't need you. I want you. Mm. And I go, I, I I've never needed anybody on my program for 30 years. I want people. I pick you. Okay. And so I found that to be a little over his skis to try to control my show or my market or whatever I do. Right. That's what Angelo talks about. So to me, the perception that that team, they control the Philly sports media because they know they can. Yeah, I'm not a fan of I'm not a fan of the moves Harry Roseman has made lately. And in my humble opinion, he's he 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 miscalculated so many different things. He Well, let me get going. I, wanna, I, I okay. got a list here. Okay. Sorry about that. Go ahead. All right. All right. Here we go. Um lack of depth at edge rusher. Failure. Failure. How about you, this one? You have Josh Sweat playing more snaps than he's played in his entire career, and you still have four games left. I was happy you defended him. I had to. Yeah. I had to. I had to because you know the fact of the matter is if we're gonna give if we're gonna give the entire defense some kind of grace for playing more snaps or give the rookies grace for potentially hitting the wall, whatever it may be. You know why would I? Why, why would it stop there? Josh Sweat is playing significantly more snaps than he's ever played in his career. 
and I'm supposed to think he's supposed to be playing without with the highest motor at this point. They have no what depth. did you trade for Chubb last year? Why did by they? the way, Earth's repair? I appreciate it. Why did the Eagles trade for Chubb last year? Uh are you talking are you talking about Bradley Chubb from the from yeah. the Broncos? Yeah, that went to the Dolphins. Yeah, I, I I wanted him actually. And then you um, you have an, you have a replacement for Graham next year or for this year. You would add him and Graham Bradley, playing edge. See the thing, Bradley got a lot of money. Like the Dolphins oh. gave the Dolphins gave him a lot of money. They gave him a lot of money. Oh and, okay. And, and also the amount of money they're paying. Uh so would you rather pay a guy a lot of money or continue to miss on edge rushers? No, I get you. I get where you're going. Um, but I guess if I had to make sense of it, right? You got Josh Sweat on that contract that you that you have him on. You got Reddick on that contract on the on the current contract. You you dedicated that much money. To the corners, remember that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They, 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 there's, there's about thirty million between Bradbury yep, and yep, yep. and Slay. You know, you're paying AJ that. You know, the offensive line, the D line, Fletcher. You know, it, there's a lot of money in other places. And I actually, as much as I would have wanted Chubb, I would have a hard time believing he's paying that number for a guy in a rotation if he's not the main guy. Okay. Do you think you have a good enough running back room? Remember, this affects your quarterback, too. If you're going to take RPOs out of your offense, shouldn't you have a, a, a duplicate of what you had in 17 with a you know slasher what's so you know and what's a so pounder? Funny? You know what's so funny? As much criticism as I gave Miles Sanders, he knew exactly what to do in that system. And... Um, I'm look. I look at the running back room now. Is much. I don't understand why we don't have a power back in the building, or if we do, why we're not using him for one. But also, I've always felt like this. This is the this is the running back combination I want. I want the running back combination to mirror exactly what that 2017 had. You had the power with with, with uh, Legarrette Blount. You had you had the one cut back with JJ. Then you had the scat back, the receiving back with Corey Clement. And it worked because you were able, you had a three-headed monster back there. And you were able to accomplish whatever you wanted to accomplish. So when I look at this running back room now, not enough power. It's not enough size. So All you're these, more of a finesse team? That's what it is. Based, based off the running back personnel, I would say so. Based off the running back personnel. Holy shit, that's a change in identity. Think about it. Swift is more finesse. So you they've changed Jane the more identity finesse. of the offense from what you, you're not you're now, not only not the Miles, same Miles last last year the running back room was pretty Miles I wouldn't call Miles Sanders a power back. He was more but finesse. But he had 1300 yards. Yeah, but yards don't equate the power. Okay, I how mean, about this? He had 11 touchdowns, that does. I don't think so. He uh, because a lot of those a lot of those touchdowns he went in untouched. So I can't really, you know, he didn't really. What's the difference this year? You got the same guys back. Miles Sanders not back. What do you mean? No, no. 
how come you don't have a running back that's on pace for what Miles did a year ago? You got the same guys. How many yards did Miles have last year? Thir- uh, 12 59 and 11 touchdowns. 12 59. All right, give me one second. Because I, if I'm not mistaken, that's going to make sure I, my numbers are correct. Oh, I think I... he's on pace for 1,000. Uh, so far, okay. Um, look so at the far, touchdowns. Swift is on pace for, yeah, the touchdowns is different. But again, I think that goes, see, here's another thing that we're not that we're not talking about yet. But we talked about it before, but we, we've we got to talk about this. Miles Sanders, he benefited a lot from what Jalen Hurts was doing when that RPO. See, the RPO. Yes, sir. Don't you think Swift would too? But they're not using him that way. And it's and it's and, and and it goes back to what it's affecting two people. It's affecting two positions. Get this: last year, when that RPO was in that offense, don't they get it? I heard Rob say, "I like to see them establish him more. I like to see them establish." They can't establish him because without the RPO in the system, like they had a year ago, isn't it funny? Not establish the running game. Is and last year you had guys that accounted for two thousand rushing yards and twenty four touchdowns, and the RPO. Had a lot to do with the physicality, mm-hmm. the way you approached your game, the way mm-hmm. the quarterback approached the game. And now that you have excluded that, you're a completely different offense. Isn't it funny how every time we criticize the offense, when we when we try to start with personnel, we always find our way back to what? Coaching. No matter what we do. And the front office decisions and on the, what they did personnel-wise. And the front office. Because me personally, I didn't have a problem with the running back room. Up until oh, I did from day one. Uh, up until I like Swift. I told you that from day one. The rest of those guys, I was not. I look. I think Kenny Gain was a dude. Boston Scott is a Doug guy, so he ain't going to get any airtime. And, and that's so, my problem. I mean, right there. it's just Boston Scott. Boston Scott runs with power, but nonetheless, they. The, every time we criticize the personnel, it always goes back to the coaching decisions and the front office decisions. Because at the end of the day. I don't think this coaching staff is really maximizing this roster to the best of its ability. I don't They're think not. so. It's just that simple for me. It's training wheel coaches and 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 analytic. You have training wheel coaches and analytic decisions, and that's why Jalen Hurts this year is not an MVP candidate. He's look, just he's they look not. stagnant. They, they look stagnant. Last year they were not stagnant at all. And get this tone. You know, it carried over from a year ago on how he played all the way up until week 11. And then when teams like Kansas City and Buffalo and then the Niners and the Cowboys started seeing, I'll tell you the team, in my opinion, that started making it so that it was predictable was Washington. Washington showed you with lesser personnel, if you get pressure on the quarterback and they're not going to run the RPO and the linebackers can't cover, I think that coaching staff exposed how tight those games, how tight those – they could have easily lost both Wa- those Washington also was the first team to expose the defense as well. Yeah, because that's right. What, because what they did was – 750 yards in two games against them. Because what they did was – Eric Bieniemy is a genius. He realized they're depending so much on this pass rush Let's completely eliminate it altogether. We're going to get the ball out of your hands fast, and we're going to force these linebackers and DBs to cover. And if they can cover, so be it. They can't. We're gonna we're gonna kill their ass. And that's exactly what happened. Sam Howe was getting that ball out of his hands. You think it's an accident? Sam Howe was getting sacked all year. Then he finally goes against the Eagles. And he gets sacked one time in two games, or like two times in two games. He he's no. hard, he barely got touched. So I mean, my point is, remember the game I, I I pointed out it was third and one, and they 
they they got a penalty. They were passing on first down. That's how you knew. And then all of a sudden, they still played off the ball, and it was an easier play to connect on the first down. And you're going like this. Jesus Christ, he tried to make the hard play for the kid. It's Sam Howell. Nope. Mm-hmm. That's stubbornness to philosophy in what they're doing and not bending. Okay? That's not – that's coaching. That's a coaching issue. Dude, if I have Sam Howell or an inexperienced guy and it's third and short – I'm going to make you make the tough throw. I'm not going to give you an easy option because I have to play a philosophy. Mm-hmm. Dude, so many little things kind of showed me this year through the record. That's why every week I kept coming out and people are going, God, the teams ain't no what, what's. And that's why Angelo and I were saying, I'm like, I, I, I just tell you what, there was a tsunami coming. Listen, I was um, t- um today, you know, we had Dave Zingaro on sports take. And um, I pretty, you know, I asked him a pretty blunt question. You know, I said, um, because, you know, the, the one thing that kept coming up in the conversation was, you know, this coaching staff, you know, they trust these guys to win. They trust these guys to win. Talking about A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurd, they trust these players to win their matchups, right? So I had to push back and I said, well, you know, we keep talking about the coaches trusting these players to win their matchups, but can the players trust the coaches to win theirs? And I basically went as far to say, you know, if you ask me, based on what I'm seeing, we keep talking about them trusting the players to win, which tells me that they're relying on the players to elevate their scheme, when in reality, their scheme should be helping elevate these players. And the example I gave was, when I look at the 49ers and I see how talented they are, Mike Sh- uh, Kyle Shanahan isn't relying on his talent to get open. He's relying on his scheme to help put these players these talented players in open situations you can look at any game against you can look at any game with the 49ers this team or that team rather they always Brock Purdy always has at least four five six seven yards of distance between his receiver and the defender how was it that easy for him to scheme open these super talented guys who are very capable of getting open on their own but he says no forget that I'm going to use my scheme to get my most talented guys in open field so they can make plays. The Dallas Cowboys, same thing. They're finding creative ways within the scheme to get their most talented players open so they can make plays on the field. That's every th- what you get when you get talented every, every throw, every play that Jalen Hurts has to execute, that A.J. Brown has to make a play on, Devontae Smith, Devontae Swift, uh, Devontae Smith, DeAndre Swift, um, the offensive line, everything is a struggle for them. Every window is a keyhole for Jalen Hurts. Tone, everything looks the same. Everything looks the same. And I asked him, I asked him flat out. I said, just I said, do you believe, I asked him, I said, do you believe this offense? I said, when you, if someone said to you, the Philadelphia Eagles offense hasn't evolved from 2022 to 2023, what do you say? He says, well, I would say they're probably right. Yeah, so and he's and Davis and Garrow is well respected in in his, in his market. But it's not. It's and, not. And, and going, it's a fact. Get this. It's not going to evolve because the analytics guys. Because the coaches can't do it. They can't do it. They 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 control it. They're incapable. The coaches are incapable. Their coaches are incapable. And then what you do to make sure you have the power, you hire inexperience. I've said it time and time because again. Experienced coaches would look yeah. at that game plan and go like this. First off, we don't have the personnel. We get this. Dallas's weakness was running the ball. 
because they're high in turnovers. They get to the quarterback. They're a finesse defense. What did they do? They completely got outrushed again. They didn't have a commitment to running the ball, putting the RPO in the game. There is some sort of weird saving of Jalen. It's more important. Nah, I can't go there. It's more important for them to have Hurts at the base of the franchise than it is to do the right thing for the franchise by putting the offense that got them paid back in. They are so look this, again. Hertz is a centerpiece to the organization right now, and they're doing more to protect him than develop mm-hmm. him. And you know what people oh. are going to say? What? And you know what people? You know what people are going to continue to say after we say all this? Well, they're ten and three. They're ten and three. You know what I mean? Two bad games don't define you. And they you're gave right. them the benefit of the doubt. And you're right. Two bad games shouldn't define a team. But what people fail to realize. It defines a direction. This has actually been a long time coming. This is actually something that's been building up. Let's be honest. It's a tsunami. You know, so so these two losses have forced me to really sit back and look at this team objectively. Because I'll be honest, I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan. You know what I mean? And I've been biased throughout the season because we're winning. And I'm and and and, and, I, and I believed in this team. I believe in the quarterback position. You know, and um, I want to trust these coaches. I want to trust the GM. I, I I'm I'm that fan. I want to trust you, right? But when you see these two back to back losses against who they lost to and how they lost, oh no! Now it's time for me to sit back and really view view you the way I'm supposed to look at you. So let me let me let me throw this last little. We got a couple more nuggets here, but I let yeah, me throw yeah. this nugget at you here. What if they lose to the What if they lose a game to the Giants? And then you put, wait a minute, get this. Then you put the Jets loss, the Giants loss, and getting murdered by those two teams, Cowboys and Niners. I mean, probability? Probably not. But here, I'll say this to you. Do I trust Tommy DeVito more than our defense? Well, that could be a push. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, okay. But Tommy Tone, DeVito. That defense. But Tone. That defense has made everyone look decent. Yeah, they have. They've, they've given they've, they've given Sam Howell they've given Sam well, Howell two career games. They've given they Sam Howell two career games. games. <laughs> Did you know to this day those are Sam Howell's best games of, of his career? Oh no, no, I'm saying Tommy DeVito won three straight games now. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, but what I'm saying is the Eagles. Oh yeah, defense, I know. Oh yeah, they've, they've they've given Sam Howell career games. So I'm I look at the saying, defense. Man, I, I, I look mean, at the defense, and I'm concerned. Can I? You know what else? I don't really think we're really shitting on the players. I just think I don't think so either. I don't. I. But it's so fun. Real real quick, Sills. I don't think we're shitting on the players either, really. But isn't it so funny? But but listen, isn't it so funny how typically fans we typically defend the players, but when we're going after the big wigs, the coaches, now now they they take that more personal for some reason. You ever, you notice that have, most have, people don't most people are afraid to challenge authority. Have you have you have you have you, have you oh, noticed no, I, that? I've always known that because but, fans. But, but I, so, I so which like, is it? We're protecting I, the quarterback and we're protecting the players. We're going after the guys that make the decisions. But you know what? Okay. There was always my be be careful here when you do this as you go forward here, Tom. Because yeah, I know. Because here, when I was in Tampa, I used to call Mark Dominic a bookworm, and I used to call him a librarian. I go. This guy's talking to me about having a B plus roster, and he's two and he's two. He's twenty five and fifty one as general manager of the Bucks, and he's trying to convince you guys out there 
that this guy's putting talent on the field. I went where? And so the Bucks would call my bosses. They would get, I was there 15 years mm. and they would get called my bosses. And I would sit there and I go, he's six and 10. Mm. What do you want me to say? You want me to paint a six and 10 picture into being something it's not? I'm with you. So here's the thing, right? You know, to your point, I understand what you're saying. And maybe I should be careful. Maybe I shouldn't. Who knows? But here's my thing, right? My my, my motive will always be this. It's coming from a place of love, right? I love this franchise. Yeah, well, they come from the cash register, those I, business guys. No, that's true. That's true. That's true. I Listen, it's not affecting my bottom line. I don't know. Well, I, 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 I love this organization. I love this team. I love these players. I love everything that this, that this team embodies. So when I feel like there, when I feel like there's an injustice being done, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something. So like, I mean, that, that that's just who I've always been. My wife always tells me, "Dog, like your face will talk before your mouth will." And I just, you know, I'm a passionate person. You know, sometimes I could, sometimes I need to reel it in. Sometimes I know how to. Sometimes I know how to play ball. Sometimes I don't. I'm learning because of my wife. But for the most part, man. I don't I don't tolerate bullshit. Yeah, man, but I was 60 and I have still barely figured it out. Hey, get this. Here's a story for you. I come home, man. I go, yeah, I just got fired. She goes, hey, congratulations. You were right. <laughs> <laughs> and I went just like this. Damn. <laughs> Hell, you were right about your canes and the dolphins. You got fired, right? Yep. She goes, how do you feel about being right now? And I went. <sighs> yeah. That's a good point. Hey, hey, hey. Well, is it? Here, let me move on to this now. That's Question for you. Yeah. Should Sirianni have more control of the play play calling um, over Brian Johnson? This is your only option. Well, I look at well, based off everything we just talked about, I think they should do what's best for the franchise. I think Nick Sirianni, I think Nick Sirianni should do whatever's best for the franchise. Now that's a it sounds like to me you're walking on the um you're, you're, you're walking on the beam there, okay? <laughs> I think you're on the beam there. I, I'm going to take you I off trust, the beam. Hey, I trust Harry Roseman unequivocally. Simone Biles, get off the beam. I want to know what we're doing here. Do you think Nick I Sirianni trust should be Jeffrey the play Lurie. caller? I, I trust these guys. Uh, Sills, what do you mean? I trust these guys. Whatever, <laughs> the, whatever decision they make, I'm rolling. <laughs> I'm rolling. Uh, I'm along for the ride, baby. He's doing. He's playing. Hey, ten and two. Ten e and three. Ten and three. Eagles. Ten and three, baby. Ten and three. 2017 Super Bowl. Let's go. I'm rolling, baby. Howie, whatever you say, big dog. Let's do it. What's your only option? To, okay, how about this? You know, I keep seeing having people do this. Well, how do you fix it? Is this fixable? Not at this point. Not at this point. You can only hope. Um, offensively, possibly, because they're so talented. But defensively, this roster ain't changeable so much. So all you can do is hope for is better execution. That's the best you can hope for. Coach them up. That's the best, the best you can hope for. Because they are who they are. And um, you can – only here, one way here, this, can, this is only one way this can get better. Yeah. Jalen Hurts has to take control. Jalen Hurts ha has to be phenomenal. Jalen Hurts has to take more control of the direction of the team, not Nick. I watched that website, and I was listening to IP this morning, and I'm like, should Sirianni be more involved with the play calling? I'm like, you're asking the wrong question. It's it's his game plan. It's, it's, it's his game plan. It's, it's Hurts. Him. Right. 
It's not. Why would you want to have a conversation about analytics and inferior coaching? Two things that are hurting the kid and the team. The lesser of both evils? No, thank you. Let me go with I know what I paid $50 million to, and mm-hmm. I know that works. I don't know if Brian Johnson works. The analytics guys have gotten in the way since Doug. Me, I look at it this. Jalen Hurts not only has to be exceptional on the field, but he has to be more with it. A, we, a authoritative tone with what he wants to do. He's got, Look, if you're Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes even says shit back to Andy and him. I've seen him and Andy having conversations that are a little heated. I've seen him with the enemy. Mm-hmm. Get this. Mahomes doesn't look – he knows how to play with his money. He, he knows how to play with the salary. If he doesn't like – remember something. Whether it works or not, Tone, it's not important. If Jalen thinks it does, I'm rolling with it. If like you said, you were being you you were being sarcastic here. If, but if Nick and Brian think it works, you ask people are asking a question. Well, do you think they trust him? No. But if Jalen Hurts had a Jason Kelsey came back to play with the Eagles, not for Nick Sirianni. He came back for Hurts. He came back for Hurts. What you do is you empower the kid. You give him more of a stay in the locker room. Everything Wentz failed at. All the things, you know what you're doing? You know what you're also doing? You're, you're, you're neutering his leadership. Let him have say on the offense. Put it in his hands. There's nobody in that room. Shane Steichen's not there any longer. To me, that knows the RPO better than Jalen Hurts. But the organization thinks they know what's better for him. And they haven't. Look at the shit show they have on defense. Howie, no disrespect, you had a one-year wonder in 2020. They're they're, they're cutting their nose despite their face. Absolutely. Because, again, Tone, watch, and I know you hate answering this, what's more important, control or Lombardi trophy? I think think Jalen Hurts is what's most important. (laughs) Jalen Hurts is the most important person in the building. Well, they ain't acting like it. They ain't acting like it. Because if you ask me, what's best for Jalen Hurts is that RPO. I'm all about maximizing the guys I have and putting them in positions to succeed. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not force fitting a square peg in a round hole. I want to maximize my guys the best way that they need to be maximized. And right now, I feel like they're not really doing that. How about this? You know this for a fact here. Or mm-hmm. maybe I don't know. When I ask you that question, do you think the Eagles are more the number one priority is Lombardi or control? If they believed in Lombardi, wouldn't Doug still be the coach? Ding 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 ding. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I mean, number one answer on the oh, board. Hey, hey, get this. The dude showing you. <laughs> Hey, do, do you agree now that um, the dude showing you he can coach? He's somewhere else. You know, I mean. Yeah. And yeah. it's Jacksonville. I always knew Doug could coach. I always knew that 411 season was fluky. I never, I knew that wasn't Doug. I knew that wasn't like who he was. Doug Peterson had, Doug Peterson made it to the play out of the five years he was you there. Did Howie sabotage that year? 
Well, you know, it's hard for me to say that because they had so many injuries on the offensive line. The entire offensive line was out. It's kind of how I many season moves did he make that year? Say it again. Interesting. No, I didn't hear you. Say it again. How many? How many in-season moves did he make during that four eleven in one year? That's a good question. I don't know. That's a good question. He surely makes a lot of moves in season. Like, did he make how many? I'd be curious to know that four eleven in one season. Oh, I think he. Um, I mean, they weren't great moves, but he. Uh, no, no, I'm just curious, like a number. He. He brought back Deshaun Jackson. He. Um, that's like signing Julio Jones. No, right, right, right. That's what I'm saying. Like it wasn't like spectacular moves. I'm trying to think now. That's a good question. I, I never, I never gave that any kind of thought whatsoever. Um, let's go back to 2020. It was a 2019, right, or 2020? 2020. 2020. 2020. Let's go back to that year. So I'm looking at the transactions. So, uh, let's see here. September 7th, signed corner, Kervon LeBlanc. September 8th, signed tight end, Richard Rodgers. Um, September 9th, signed defensive tackle, T.Y. McGill. That's pre-season. Pre, that's pre -season. Okay, September 15th. Okay, yeah, after so, September okay, oh, 10th. Got you, got you, okay. So um, September 15th, um, Vinny Curry on IR, added Suo Opeta to the roster. Um uh sign Trevor Williams, sign tight end Jason Kroon, blah blah blah. Ray Grown Reserve, Jason Peters on injured reserve. Uh I'm not seeing any significant moves on this roster at all throughout this entire time. So nah, nah, nope, no, uh he made no real moves that year. None. Oh gee. Nope, not nope, none. In Howie We Trust. In Howie We Trust, man. Hey, man, that guy didn't make a move because he wanted, beginning at the end, I'm telling you, dude. He, you, oh, I th oh, I know where you're going with this. You, you're, you're, you're a dirty dog. <laughs> I, I, Your Honor, I'm not leading the witness. <laughs> I know where you're going with this. <laughs> are, you, are you claiming Howie Roseman set the deck? Yeah. Or stacked the deck? Oh yes. Are you? Or is is that what you're implying, Daniel? Yeah, and it ended with Nate Sudfeld. Do, 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 do. <laughs> because there's too much pissing in Howie's sandbox with the coaches, the analytic disputes, the direction wow. guys you wanted that you said he wanted to elevate. The only wow. way that he, the only way Howie could grab control, is by sabotaging Doug. Man, that's a... So he doesn't make one move in a 4-11-1 season where you need to make a ton of moves mm. to try to save the season. And three years removed from winning a Super Bowl, the only way you could do it is by putting Nate Sudfeld and benching Hurts to wow. make it look like Doug didn't want to play with Hurts. Now, this yeah. is theory, folks. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This, this, is, this is all theory. This is all theory, yeah, but, this yeah. is but but does it look? Gee, how come he he makes so far all these moves he's made with Nick? He's made a ton of moves every year. He make any moves at seventeen? Why? Nate yeah, Sutton, and, closes and, the show. How would you like to have this on your tombstone? 
Yeah, my last game, my general manager threw the game and put Nate Sudfeld as my starting quarterback as the Eagle head football coach. <laughs> yeah, man. How he, he made me do it. He, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't really make any significant moves after that Super Bowl season, really, if I'm looking at this now. I'm, I'm looking at all these moves from 2018 to 2020. He didn't make any significant moves, really. At, if, 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 battling if at for him. If at all. 2017 was the only year he made significant moves. He traded for, he signed LeGarrette Blount. He traded for Jay Jai at the trade deadline. Um, you know, he, 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 he did. He, listen, man, this is, um, man. we're living in the matrix right now. So, again. Your Honor, I have to cross-examine the witness again, just a tad bit here. To, to, put, to, put, to put a button on it, Your Honor, um, I think the Philadelphia Eagles do beat the Seahawks. I do. They do. I think they do beat the Seahawks. Um, I'm thinking about what you said yesterday about how typically teams after they play after they play the 49ers they lose. I think I think they have. I think they bounce back in a major way. They have no choice. One in 26 after you play the Niners, that teams are one in 26. That was that was the that was the record. Yeah. So yeah, they have no choice but to bounce back after that um, abysmal past two week performance. They have no choice. Um, I'm looking at Jalen Hurts as the guy who has to turn the corner first. Um. Yeah, that's yeah, that's where I'm at with this thing. Okay, I'm going to end it with this. Very simple. You're on. Could be a hostile witness here. So just let you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you trust Jalen Hurts down the stretch? Yes. Yes, I do. Do you trust Nick Sirianni? No. Do you trust Brian Johnson? No. Do you trust Sean Desai? No. Do you trust Howie? Push. Your Honor, I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was fun. That was fun, man. <laughs> so great stuff, my friend. You're kicking ass. Yes, sir. Thank you, my friend. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, listen, um, let's try to make sure we still get paychecks every, uh, every week, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. Trust me when I tell you, man. I mean... Thank God for the Krauses. I'll just say this, man. They know I'm a lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate you, sir. Good stuff, man. I appreciate that. I love that segment with Tone. Don't forget, Philly 500 is going to join us also at 5.30 Eastern time. Want to really tell folks, man, our great friends at Hooters, we want to thank all the guys for coming aboard with us, man. They're such good people. And by the way, we had such a great time at King of Prussia. It was fabulous. I've been getting emails and text messages. The entire time, everything was absolutely fabulous. And during this holiday time, please do me a favor. Log on to the website, northeasttutors.com. That's northeasttutors.com. Today is Tuesday. Buy 10 wings, 10 boneless free. Don't forget, tomorrow is Wing Wednesdays, 1983. That's the year the place was founded. You can go to northeasttutors.com. Santa bucks are back, five bucks. Great gift cards to put in the stockings. Absolutely great. Calendars are out to 2024. Nine of the girls are featured from the Northeast section uh, that are in the calendar. Plus, there's 100 bucks in coupons that are in the 2024 Hooters calendar. You can also go to Hooters2Go.com when it comes to their app. Go in, get the grub, walk right back, take it to your house, man. All good. NortheastTutors.com. That's NortheastTutors.com. And when you roll in, do me a favor. Tell them Big Sale sent you. 
Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card. This year, stuff their stockings and yours too with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now. Hooters gifts are always favored. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. okay let me let me put a bow on what we were talking about at the end there do i think get this with all the control that your gm has to have does he do a better job than 90 percent of the gms in the league Yes. Yes. He's better than Jerry. Yes. At the end of the day, the problem 
that you have with your GM is he's insecure because of what happened to him with Chip. I don't blame him. I, I, I really don't blame him. I, I don't blame him. He's insecure. Most GMs, you don't hear about any, you don't see him in the locker room. I never saw Kevin Colbert in Pittsburgh. Okay. This guy's an insecure dude. And Doug was a confident man. And what he did, you know how, hey, right tone? You know where that was on display? Philly special. You got to have some cannolis. Uh, let's see here. Uh, can you come on? Hold, hold on. Would you guys like Warren Moon? Let's see if we get Warren Moon on. Warren um, works uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. And he um, works for the Seahawks as the color analyst for the broadcast team. I'm seeing if he can come on right now. And we got Philly 500. Um, and so let's see if we can try to get Warren Moon on here. Tone, I'm going to send you Warren's... Um, information here because he just texted me i've been trying to see if we can get him on today maybe we have to get him on tomorrow so let's just see if we can get him on right now uh the pro football hall of famer so i'm going to send it to you now tone let's see if we could set that up so i just sent it to you tone Let's see if we could try to get him on right now, Tone, or at the top of the hour. We could do that if he wants to do the top of the hour. So we're going to try to get Warren Moon on. Philly 500. We'll be trying to get him on at 530 Eastern time. So we're working on Warren Moon right now. Danny, where's Joy Taylor? Hey, you know, I picked Joy for certain times of the year, you know. I'll say one thing about Joy Taylor. Joy Taylor, besides my aunt and my wife and my kid, she is the first person that's not family every single January 3rd um, that sends me happy birthday. She is, the, she is the first person. She does it every single day. So I love her very much. So we'll try to get her on. By the way, she's been voted one of the most influential people now in broadcasting. So let's see if we can get Warren on. Look, one thing I want to say again about, about Howie and the organization and what Tone and I were talking about. Look, he does a really good job. He does. He does. But it's overkill. Okay? It's overkill. Okay? Let's see. 
The game is next Monday, so. Tone, can you can you contact him for me? So yeah, we, I don't want to do this right now. Um, let's see if we can get him on now because he wants to do it potentially next Tuesday. That would be Angelo, him, and Tone. So maybe we'll do next Tuesday with him. We'll see how that works. I want to. Hey, by the way, let's move off that topic and go. Let's go into the top ten NFL teams. I was going to get to that. Um, we get these here. Here we go. It's funny how every single time we have we put a list like this together. Every every time we put a list like this together, and every week it just absolutely changes. Here are my top 10 NFL teams. Okay. Number 10, I got the Broncos here. Um, I think that they're fighting for a playoff spot right now. I think that they have absolutely turned a ship. I think Sean Payton has been brought in to do exactly what Sean Payton has done. I was quick to judge, but after time, he has settled the water. He has made the team better. Are they a complete team? Absolutely not. How could you ignore what they're doing in Denver? He's playing good football. Russell Wilson's not Russell Wilson five years ago, but he's playing good football. And I like what I'm seeing with Russell Wilson. And I got the Broncos at number 10. At number nine, I got the Jags here. Jags had an opportunity last week at being able to be the number one seed. And they're fighting right now. I think there's a lot of good teams, okay? And I think there's a lot of good teams that are in the AFC, but I don't believe there's a lot of elite teams that are in the NFL. There's very few elite teams that are in the NFL. I think they're in a box with a lot of good football teams. That's why they can get beat each and every single day or any given Sunday. I think they're a good football team. I think Doug's a great coach. I think Trevor Lawrence has had a solid year. I I have high expectations still for the Jags. I have them at number nine. At number eight, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. Might be too low, but I got the Chiefs at eight. Kansas City has a very good defense. You know what's crazy? The defense, in my opinion, is better than the offense. I think it's better than the offense this year. I think Mahomes and Reed and that personnel on that team have struggled to be consistent on a week-to-week basis. And I think the accumulation of losing Eric Bieniemy and losing Tyree Kill has finally caught up with the Chiefs. I think you sustained one of those losses. But when you start adding key components to the championship medal of your team and you start losing people like that, I think this is the end result that you get here with the Kansas City Chiefs, so I have them at eight. Could be still a little low. At number seven, 
I have the Detroit Lions. Look at the offense. They've put a ton of points up. They're a good football team. You know, they're another one of those football teams that still have to find their identity. I don't know. Are they going to be a football team that ever finds their identity? I don't know. But they're good. Look at the scoring. How You can't ignore what they have done all year long. And I think the job Dan Campbell's done has been a nice year if you put the whole season together. I agree with you, Yale. The inconsistency is surely what bugs me about Detroit. At number six, talk about inconsistency and talk about turnovers. I got the Bills here. I still believe in the Bills and Josh Allen. I just don't believe in the coach and the personnel around him. Personally, I don't think they've done him any favors. You're almost seeing the direct opposite of what's going on in Philly, of what's going on in Buffalo in the AFC. It, they have not put a good coordinator around him. They have not put, remember what Stefan Diggs was bitching about in the offseason? He wanted more personnel. They wanted them to go out and get DeAndre Hopkins and put him on the other side. Can you imagine DeAndre Hopkins, Gabe Davis, and Diggs? You would have given Allen more weapons to be able to spread the ball around. And I like what they're doing. I think Brady's done a nice job with him when it comes to trying to limit the turnovers by going more underneath. I still believe in the Bills, but they're hanging on, in my opinion, by a respirator. Hey, how can you how can you dismiss the Dolphins, even after last night's debacle of dropping 14 points in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter? Um, look at the points they scored. Look at the record they have. Um, they had an opportunity at being the number one overall seed if they would have won that game. They didn't. They're still trying to find themselves. I think they have a good football team. I think they have a good play caller. That Kansas City team is set up like the Philadelphia Eagles in the early 2000s. Mahomes has nobody at the receiver position. It's incredible. Death row completely. How, how can you have a quarterback that you've invested half a billion dollars in? Okay? How can you have that kind of money and resources invested in somebody like that and you put $2 wide receivers around them. Okay. At number four, I got the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't believe that the Philadelphia Eagles are no longer, you're no longer the metric in the NFC. So you're no longer the metric. You're not the team, teams look to that set the standard. That's the problem that's happened with Eagle fans. You've lost the bully image. You're lo no longer the metric. There's two teams in the NFC that are better than you. And they've proven it. Not by saying it. They've proven it. However, at the end of the day, 10 and 3 does still matter to me. Okay. The Seattle game is going to maybe make me waffle on that comment if they lose that game in Seattle. But to me, I still got the Eagles in the four hole here. Um, I don't have them in the NFC title game right now. Now that could change. Niners lose. Hey, we've learned one thing about the Niners. 
They lose one spark plug, that engine stops. The Eagles lose a spark plug, they continue. This is still yet to be played out, folks. So you got to hang with this a little bit here. Number three, I got the Cowboys. That was a prove-it game for me for Dallas. Dallas proved a lot to me. They proved a lot to me there. That was a big win for them, emotionally, spiritually, as they move forward into these next couple games where they have to show up against Detroit, the Dolphins. I mean, they got to play well in those games. You know, we're going to learn whether or not Dallas understands that what being a contender is, is what the Eagles have gone through the last two years. You know what that is? Just because you beat the Eagles, you've got to follow that up with a quality win to validate what you're doing. Because if you lay an egg against the Bills this weekend, and personally, I think the Bills are going to beat them. I don't believe Dallas could put two games in a row together. I do not. And it's in Orchard Park. You're going to have Bills Mafia there. I do not. I want to see that. You still have to prove to me, okay? You still have to prove to me that you can get this done in week-to-week basis. Great teams win every week. Great teams find ways to win. That's why I still have the Eagles high on my board here is because they've shown it throughout the year. You see, here's the problem that you do. And Tyler, thank you, but here's why you what's happened these last two games. You can't dismiss beating the Chiefs, the Dolphins, the Cowboys, and the Bills because you got killed two games. You just can't dismiss that. You got to go with the totality of the year and the schedule that you've played. Yes, they're ugly losses. The Jets' loss now looks worse. Okay, get it. But still, there's quality wins on that roster and on that schedule that the Eagles have had. You can't dismiss that. Dallas is a division opponent that we split the season with now. They are better. Um, Yeah, well, because the last game in your own park, they were bad. They, they played great. And they just, you couldn't score an offensive touchdown. Hey, Marshall, you couldn't score an offensive touchdown against Dallas. And you think you're better? Really? You think you're better than Dallas right now today when you couldn't put an offensive touchdown on the board? When's the last time Jalen Hurts didn't put an offensive touchdown on the board? Is that the first time in his career? Her, um, hey, Tone, is that the first time in Hurts' career that he didn't put a touchdown on the board? Okay, good. Warren Moon's going to be at the top of the hour. Thank you very much. Good job, Tone. So the legendary Hall of Famer and part of the broadcast team for the Seahawks will join us at 5 o'clock, Warren Moon. Um, right? Am I right, Tone? That's the first time that Hurts has been in a ball game where they didn't score an offensive touchdown. Is that right? 
And you want to sit here and try to tell me you think that the Eagles are better than the Cowboys. Okay. Number two, I got the Ravens. We beat them already, so that counts for nothing. I didn't, I just said it did. I just said it did. I just said that. I don't dismiss who you've beaten. Did you not hear that? We must be on a delay or Marshall's brain's on a delay. And the number one team, and it's not close right now, but it could change. We've seen it change. The 49ers. So Niners one, Ravens two, Cowboys three, Eagles four, Dolphins five, Bills six, Lions seven, Chiefs eight, Jaggy Wires nine, and the Denver Broncos are at number 10. Those are my top 10 teams. We'll do the MVP race and also my top 10 quarterbacks. We'll get to that. Speaking of quarterbacks, top of the hour, legendary Hall of Famer Warren Moon is going to join us. And we will talk to him about the Seahawks. That's the next team that's up on the docket. We'll talk with him. Philly 500 is going to join us. That'll be at 5.30 Eastern time. We look forward to that. So, Tone, let's take a time out right now. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card. This year, stuff their stockings and yours, too, with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now. Hooters gifts are always favored. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game 
and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. join us at the top of the hour then we will have philly 500 he will join us at 5 30 eastern time so we will talk to the legendary hall of fame quarterback how about this warren moon has a great distinction he's the one of the very few guys i think maybe marv levy is also in the canadian football hall of fame and the national football hall of fame or the pro football hall of fame i think though i think there's just a few guys but I think Warren may be the only player that's in both Hall of Fames. I know he's in the College Football Hall of Fame, too. So you're talking about just an absolutely legendary career. So, yeah, we did the top 10 NFL teams. And I, I tell you, the one thing about this league, and I, I, I love the fact that this league here, one of the most important things you got to remember, and I can't express it enough, when I tell you guys that you have to understand, it really doesn't matter when it comes to the record. It's really more about when you play that particular week when it comes to matchups. This, I mean, I hear Tone say it, and he's right. And the people that understand the game, they understand that this is a week-to-week proposition. You don't know who's healthy. There are certain matchups that favor. Like every time you guys play the Washington Commanders, is that not always one of the tougher games to play of the year? Especially over the recent time, it's been one of the tougher games to play. So to me, with, without a doubt, I mean, it's it's a week-to-week. This week coming up with Seattle, what's the issue you have here coming up with Seattle? The travel? You, you've had a murder schedule. You know, you just come off of two physically demanding football games. I mean, you have me in tears two times a night minimum. Thank you, Sales. Maniac, you're one of my favorite people, man. You know, Maniac, you, you, you know what, what I love the most about this is that to me, is, is that you guys, under, I know you guys hear me. And I know you guys get it. And what you guys, some of you guys try to do is some of you guys, just like my family members, you're going to sit around and argue. And you're going to sit around and make an argument over whether or not it's, it's nighttime or it's daytime, or if it's black or if it's white, or if it's red or if it's blue. It just doesn't matter. You're going to have an argument. Sirianni's good. No, he's not. But you're doing it just because you like to argue. I get it. I get it. It's all good. That's why there's nothing that's get nobody gets bent out of shape with it. Okay? 
Nobody gets bent out of shape. All right, let's do the quarterbacks as we wait for Warren Moon. Um, Dan says that because it's exactly what he does. That's not true. I'm the one that sets the topics, kid. I'm not arguing with you. You're arguing with me. Let's get that right. Okay? The sky is green. Fight me. Hey, I don't mind the sky being green. I'm Italian. What do you want me to do? Fight? Because you have an Italian sky? Hey, green, white, and red. You want to go there? I'm good. All right. Way to go, LJ. One of the very few things that we see eye to eye on today is that there's an Italian sky right now. We both agree. How you doing? All right. As we head into week 15, here are my top 10 quarterbacks. Number 10, Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor's had a solid season. I still believe in the Jags. Not crazy, but I do. I think there is so much great quarterback play this year. You know what, too? I would even make this comment that this is the year of the backup quarterback. Last year, the NFL used 50 quarterbacks. This year, they're going to go north of 60. Look at Minnesota. Look at Jacks. Look at uh, Cincinnati. Years past when Warren Moon played, when you lost a guy like Moon, the Oilers or the Vikings or the Seahawks, they were finished. They were finished. That's not the case nowadays. There's quality backup guys today. And, and these guys are being more developed in the college ranks than they were back then. Now, we're going to pause this here because one of the great things that I get, and he always finds time for me, you know, we get so many great people on from The Rock, Ice Cube, all these guys. But one of my favorite guests all the time is a friend of mine, played against them, and everybody that's ever been in, from Bubba McDowell, dear friends of mine, Alonzo Highsmith, all guys like that. Um, you know, Bruce Smith always talks highly of him. I mean, Bruce Matthews loves the guy. All these guys, Mike Munchak, couldn't believe some of the things they say about Warren Moon and what kind of leader he was. How common, you, you know, you kind of see Jalen Hurts, you see Warren Moon a little. Maybe Warren set the stage for him because you see a lot of that. He now works as part of the broadcast team for the Seahawks. He has the distinction of being in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame and also the National Football Hall of Fame or the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the College Football Hall of Fame and California Hall of Fame. I could go down the list and the accolades go on and on. But our friend Warren Moon joins us now, and I so appreciate it. Thank you, Warren. Happy holidays to you, my friend. And to you, Dan. How you doing? All good, man. I mean, am I right, Warren? This has got to be the year of the backup quarterbacks, huh? I mean, you're seeing who, – who's Jake Browning? I know you saw him because he was with the Huskies, but he's walking in there, and I'm going like this. Is that Tom Brady's co- – or is that Joe Burrow's cousin? I mean – there's so many good quarterbacks. Josh Dobbs, I love what he's doing in Minnesota, too. I mean, Warren, it says a lot about the development of some of these kids that are coming out of college nowadays. Well, that position is one of the most important positions in all of pro football right now. So you have to have quality play at that position, not only with your starter to be successful, but you also have to have good backup play because 
you hate, uh, God forbidding, that one of your starters goes down, and you have to have some quality to come in there. Otherwise, your team goes in the tank. So it's it's uh, very fortunate that there are some teams that have had some good quarterback backup quarterback play this year, like Cincinnati since Joe Burrow has gone down, and and some others that you that you mentioned. But there's also been some pretty bad quarterback play at the, at the backup quarterback. You look at Mitch Trubisky, what he's doing at uh, Pittsburgh, you would think he'd be doing a little bit better job uh, having been in the league this long, the number two overall pick in the draft. And, and I can go on and on, but that's one of the reasons why the I think scoring has been down in the NFL this year is because a lot of these starting quarterbacks have been hurt. And it does take these backup quarterbacks a little bit of time to get their feet wet um, because you got to remember a lot of times when they go into the ball game, they go in not prepared because they don't get a lot of work during the week. The starter does. So when he goes down, you're sitting in a guy who basically is is going off of what he was able to to uh, recall just visually and watching tape and things like that. So it takes those guys a little bit of time to, to adjust their game and, and it takes the offensive coordinator time to know exactly what types of plays to call for your backup quarterback that makes him feel comfortable. So there's an adjustment period that goes into that as well. Before I get to the Seahawks, I, I want to ask you one question we're seeing in Philadelphia. And I wonder how you handled it and how you experienced it when, you know, I mean, Jalen Hurts, obviously I know I've heard you talk about him. You've talked on our show about him. You have high regard for him, but tell me something, Warren, when you go from one style of coordinator like Shane Steichen and look at the job that he's doing in Indianapolis. He's up for the coach of the year award. And then you add a very inexperienced Brian Johnson. I'm not saying that you don't, that you don't think Brian Johnson will one day become a superstar uh, coordinator. But when I look around the league, I look at Brock Purdy, Kyle Shanahan. I look at what they're doing in Baltimore with, with Lamar Jackson. They got a quality coordinator there, Andy Reid with Mahomes. I mean, it goes down the list of having really good coordinators. I mean, what, how hard is that to go from one coordinator and an experienced one? Did you feel the effect of that? And what is the nuance difference that you see when you go from such a drastic I think with the advantage that, <clears throat> that Brian had was that he was in the organization last year, so he was there with them all the way through their Super Bowl run. He knew what was what was working for that football team. He knew what Jalen Hurts liked and had success with. So it shouldn't have been that that difficult a transition for him to take over. But you also have to remember every coordinator has in their mind what, what they want to do. So sometimes your philosophy and, and your idea of what you want an offense to look like might be different than what you were taking over. So uh, they just need to get back to playing uh, the, the Philadelphia Eagle type of football, which I think is running the football more. It all starts with the running game, and and that's what they did very well last year. And, and then all of a sudden now the RPO game becomes very successful because everybody's trying to play the run, and the play-action game becomes successful because everybody's trying to stop the run. They've got to get back to doing that a little bit more and quit turning the football over. Right? The other night, they moved the football against the Cowboys, but then they turned it over three or four times, and you can't do that in big games. So that's one of their problems. And then on defense, they've got to get off the field on third down. They're just giving up too many first downs, and, and their defense is on the field much too long, where last year their offense used to dominate time of possession. This year they're uh, on the field much too long on defense, and they're wearing down in football games. So I think those are the two areas they really need to improve. 
third down on defense and get back to running the football and using that offensive line, which is one of the best in football, to just bludgeon people. And uh, and then the, the, the skill people can do their jobs after that. Let's get to the Hawks now. Um, give me their identity right now, Warren. I mean, who are they right now, Seattle? I know there's been injuries, especially with Geno. Um, I think they've improved on defense, at least – it was in the preseason where they made all those uh, personnel moves. Just give me your take on where you see them right now as they're fighting for a playoff spot. Again, I don't, I don't think they have an identity because that's part of the problem. You know, Pete Carroll has always wanted to be a coach that wanted to run the football and run it well and, and then play action pass and take deep, deep strikes down the field. Well, with Kenneth uh, Walker being hurt a lot this year, he's in and out of the lineup, Charbonnet's a rookie. Uh, they just haven't had a really consistent running game to be able to run the ball the way Pete wants to. And Geno hasn't been as effective this year as he was last year where he, when he led the league in, uh, in pass percentage, completing, completing passes down the field on the offensive side of the ball. So they've got to somehow get back to running the football again successfully. It makes Geno's job a lot easier offensively because he's got great weapons on the outside and, and Tyler Lockett and D.K. Metcalf. Um, and then defensively, they they play well at times, and then they give up big explosive plays too much. And I think that's their biggest problem. They've got to cut down on those explosive plays. And I think the way they play defense has been pretty good, but you can't give up you know those 40, 50, 60 yard big plays because they just they're momentum killers. Uh, they usually score points, and uh, just something that you know, just takes the sting out of your football team. How about this, Warren? I, I watched DK Metcalf just kill um, Bland when you guys played on that Thursday night. I mean, they were killing him. And with the weapons that you have on the perimeter, I'll tell you what, you got Eagles in this game coming in, and you got you know how hard it is to play in Seattle. I mean, those two guys must be just licking their chops trying to get the opportunity to be able to go against that secondary, which has been the worst in the league. Yeah. Now, do you feel that that it's going to be the advantage in this game on Monday night is the fact that those guys, I think they have a complete mismatch against the Philadelphia Eagles. Will that be the emphasis of that game on Monday, in your opinion? Well, I don't think you can go into that game thinking you can just throw the ball every down because, again, the Eagles have a pretty good pass rush when they want to. And if you don't uh, nullify that with running the football and keeping them on their heels a little bit, then go play action and take advantage of those receivers on the outside that's the way you have to do it for the Seahawks because their offensive line has been you know really uh, in, in, inconsistent this year they got a lot of lineup changes a lot of injuries up front and you don't want to let you know the Jalen Carters and all those guys get going on their side of the football they led the league in sacks last year they haven't done as well this year in putting pressure on the quarterback but they still have the ability to do that so if you're you got to try and run the ball first and then take advantage of what you can do on the outside because you know you have some advantages on the outside. But if you can't protect it, it really doesn't matter. So has it been warned that Geno's health has been the reason why it's looked so inconsistent this year? Or is it that Geno himself, even without the injuries, has been inconsistent? Yeah, Gino's only been hurt maybe the last few weeks. Um, he he had the uh, groin problem that he hurt in practice the other last week that he wasn't able to play in the game this past weekend. Otherwise, he's been pretty healthy, but um, he needs to be protected, and that's the biggest thing. He's getting, he's getting sacked a lot this year, more than he was last year. And, again, the offensive line has been inconsistent. A lot of that has to do with not being able to run the football. So they've got to get back to running the football, 
and then that'll help protect Geno, and then he can be a much more effective passer. Warren, do you think this is a playoff team? I mean, if you look at the bottom end of the NFC, Vikings, Packers, I mean, if you put Seattle in that conversation, I would take the Hawks over those teams because of the coaching and because that I would have a little bit more faith in Geno Smith as the quarterback, if healthy. I mean, they're fighting, obviously, for their playoff lives here as they're coming down the stretch here. I mean, you still think that they have this opportunity in front of them? Because I, I say this to you, Warren, you may actually be an under 500 team this year in the NFC if you look at the bottom teams in it. You know, you could see an 8-9 team make it into the postseason this year, like a couple of years ago when Seattle got in to the playoffs when they were under 500. Yeah, there's a bunch of teams right now at 7-6. and six. There's some at 7-7. Seven and seven. The Seahawks, this is a big game for them. You don't want to drop anymore. You've got to start winning these last three or four games down the stretch if you want to try and get in the playoffs. They are a good enough team to get in the playoffs. They were in the playoffs last year. I thought they were a better team than last year's team coming into this season. But they've gone through this four-game losing stretch that's really hurt them. At one time, they were six and three, you know, on the season. So they've got to get back to playing Seahawk football, and that's what I talked about: being able to run the football, being able to protect your quarterback, and not give up the big plays on the defensive side of the ball, the explosive plays on that side of the football. Couple last questions for you, Warren. I'm I'm curious: do modern-day quarterbacks reach out to you for advice? Yeah, I talk to guys all the time, and then there's guys I reach out to when I think they might need a word of encouragement. you got to remember, um, this position has a lot of ego to go with it, right? So sometimes guys don't want to reach out because, you know, they have an ego, and they don't want you to think that they feel like they're struggling, you know? So I can tell when a guy might be, you know, going through a rough period or whatever, and, and I might reach out to them and just let them know that I'm thinking about them and maybe give them a, a tidbit or something like that because I know they're being coached by a lot of different people so you don't want to try and give too much advice but I think just knowing that that somebody of my caliber is looking out for him and cares about him I think it means a lot I think because of your journey too Warren I mean you know one thing I I will always tell people when people ask me about Warren Moon I'm like you know he had a Tony Dungy mentality about himself and the way he carried himself when he was on the huddle and when he was on the sidelines and he was in life you never knew, and he never panicked. You know, I think that's the one quality that I would say that you need in that position is that, and that's what you're seeing right now, I think, with Jalen Hurts a little bit in Philly is that, Warren, you know, as bad the last two weeks have been, they've been killed. Yeah. The one thing that you're seeing is you're not seeing your leader panic. No, and he's and that's what's great about him. His, his demeanor never changes. You see him after a win, he could have had a five-touchdown, you know, game to speed threw for three and ran for two. Uh, he's going to come in that press conference, and it's all about, you know, we, we did what we were supposed to do today. We can we can always get better. Uh, I love the calm about him, and that's what you have to be at that position because, Danny, you know how it is in those trenches because you played in there. It's, it's chaos in there. It's collisions. It's violent. It's everything. So when you have all these men, big grown men, playing this violent physical style of football, Somebody's got to be that calming influence, and usually you look to your quarterback to be that guy. If he's okay, then you feel like your team is going to be okay, regardless of what else is going on. So that's what I always tried to be, and I think that's what Jalen tries to be too. Absolutely. 
You got to be thrilled with your Huskies in the Final Four. Man, man am, I, am, I, am I happy about what they're doing? Go dogs! I mean, Kalen Labor is coming here, and he's 18-2, and two, Danny, as a, as a head coach here at the University of Washington since he's been here. Perfect season this year. They've got their hands full with a, with a very talented Texas team coming up in the Sugar Bowl, but uh, they have confidence that they beat them in the, uh, Aloha, I mean, the Alamo Bowl last year. So it's going to be a good football game, but I'm just so proud of the way um, – He's built this program back to what it needs to be when, when I was there in the Don James era, you know? Michael Penix, is he that good? He's pretty dang good. He really, really is. I think is he an only, NFL quarterback, Warren? The only thing that's hurting him is his injury history. That's what people keep pointing to, that he's had, you know, a knee injury. He's had a shoulder injury. And, um, but he's come back from those very strong. And he throws as pretty a ball as I've ever seen. And he's very accurate. Uh, he has mobility, but I think he worries about maybe running a little bit too much because he might get hurt again. So if he ever wants to use that ability, it's there for him. But he tries to stay in the pocket and throw the football as much as he can. But, yeah, he's got NFL ability, no question about it. Well, as I close up, my two favorite Washington Husky quarterbacks, Warren Moon 1 and Sonny Sixkiller 2. Those, right. <laughs> those are my two favorite. How's Crescent Moon doing, Warren? Everything is going great. Uh, we're just um, gearing up to get ready for a golf tournament uh, coming up in, in April, which is our big fundraiser to, to provide scholarships for underprivileged kids. And uh, I just got inducted into the Houston Sports Hall of Fame, so I'm getting, getting ready to uh, do that ceremony here in January. So it's been a pretty good time. I just had my ninth grandchild born. Uh, it's, it's been a pretty good uh, month of November and December for me. Holy cow, so let me see what his wardrobe looks like now. <laughs> Pro football jacket, Canadian jacket, California jacket, now Houston. I mean, there's probably 10 more. I mean, you got a whole wardrobe full of Hall of Fame jackets. Hey, that's all right. You know what? I don't wear them all very much, but it's nice to know you have them in your closet because that means you've done something pretty special. Absolutely. Warren, <laughs> happy holidays to you, my friend. Thank you for finding time. I know you're always swamped, but you always find time for us. Thank you, my friend. It's an honor to be your friend. Danny, you do a great job, man. You keep people informed, and I, I love coming on your show. Happy holidays to you and your family, and be safe out there. Right? You got it. The great and legendary Warren Moon, who I admire more than anybody, man. He is absolutely special. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Philly 500, coming up next. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card. This year, stuff their stockings and yours too with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now. Hooters gifts are always favored. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Yeah, sure. I'll take you. I, I, I mean, I, I told Tone that, you know, because he texted me earlier in the morning. He goes, hey, I haven't been on in a bit. You want to, you know, I love coming on that show. I go, right. He goes, no, you, we know about it in Seattle. Somebody pointed it out to me. Your friend Salio's doing a kick-ass job and he's got a big show. And I'm like, Seattle? He's like, yeah, we know. I know a bunch of people up here to watch it. He goes, actually, he just told me a story that he was in a sports bar in Seattle this week, and our show is on yesterday. Our show was on in a sports bar yesterday in Seattle. So how's that? So Tone's talking shit on Seattle. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I'm not, but hey. So we appreciate you guys, man. Yeah, no, it's good, man. You guys are really like everybody that's in here. You guys are kicking ass, man. It's really cool. I appreciate that. By the way, Philly 500 is going to join us in a couple minutes. So I want to get my top 10 quarterbacks out. And then I'm going to put the MVP race out there, too. And then we'll talk to Philly 500. So we'll get his thoughts. I'm so glad Philly fans are knowing are known for being trash. I, I don't think so, dude. Those are the low-hanging fruit donkeys that are in those sports markets. I do not believe your sports fan base is trash. I never believed that. Hey, if you can't take the, the heat, then you shouldn't be in professional sports or you shouldn't be in broadcasting. Way better than a team whose, fan, whose fans... Mothers are their cousins. and <laughs> Hey, Warrior, that's probably one of the reasons why some of the fan bases around the country, because you're going deep and taking a knee on their family. That's probably a little bit why. Hey, who's your mom? Tell her to pick her shoes up. She left them over here last night when we were watching the Eagles kick the shit out of your team. 
Hey, that might be over the line. You know what I'm saying, Warrior? Warrior, that might be over the line. Do we not agree? Hey, tell your mom to pick her shoes up. All right? When we were watching Eagles and, and Seahawks, we were killing them. She forgot her shoes and her mouthpiece. Hey, okay, well, that might go a little too far. When do you think, Warrior? Hey, go a little, a little, a little too far, right? All right. See if I can get to this now. I told you I had Trevor Lawrence at 10. We're going to reset here. Big Seals top 10 NFL quarterbacks. I got Lawrence at 10. I think Trevor's done a nice job. I think that football team is going to win their division. I think that football team, we'll see what they do in the postseason. They got to get a home field game in the playoffs, in my opinion. Seattle, New England, KC. Most bandwagon fans per capita than any team in America at 30D. Did you poke Cowboys in there? You didn't throw Cowboys in there. Jared, hey, dude, LeBron James, I can't figure it out. Is he is he a Cowboy fan? Or does he root for any of the um, Ohio teams? He's from Akron. Does he like the Bengals? He roots for Ohio State? I mean, you know. I got Jared Goff number nine with the Lions. I think Jared Goff is the most underappreciated player in the league. I do. I got Tua. Tell you what, he loses. Hey, one thing we've learned about Purdy and Tug of Viola, you take Tyree Kill off the field and you take um, Debo Samuel off the field. I don't know. Not the same guys. I got the greatness of Josh Allen, my favorite NFL quarterback at number seven, Buffalo Bills. Man, is that guy. He's the most talented quarterback in pro football. And to be fair and balanced, he's the most reckless. He's Brett Favre. If I'm going to make a comparison on Josh Allen, Josh Allen's Brett Favre. He's going to throw three touchdowns, but he's going to throw two. And it's going to be what it is. That's just who his ass is. Am I right, Yale? If you're going to make a comparison on Josh Allen, it's Brett Favre. He, he's Brett Favre, but more of a mobile Brett Favre. I love that guy, man. He is such a gifted player. He just needs better coaching around him. Cowboys haven't won anything like anything. They're like Browns fans. Different Browns fans know they're bad. He's better than Favre. Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. Man, I love Josh Allen. What a talent. I got Patrick Mahomes, six. I think Mahomes, you know, Mahomes apologized. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Two-time Super Bowl um, MVP, two-time champion, three-time participant, three-time conference champion. So he blew up a bit. So what? Here, let me ask you this. That's Tom Brady. Oh, God. Do I go down the race hole? Do I dare do that tone? 
or do I back up on it? Josh Allen is more mobile and physical, Favre, in my opinion. Yeah. Dude, how come it's like leadership when Brady – well, because Brady's got the six rings. Okay, I'm going to get out of that. So I'll, I'll leave that alone. But Mahomes, so him and Andy were frustrated, and they got hammered for being frustrated. Okay, I still got Mahomes six. It's all good. I got Jalen Hurts at five. And you could put him four. Okay? But I got Hurts five. And I got Hurts five not because of Hurts. I got Hurts five because of your front office. Fun fact, Jalen has beaten everyone on your list. Congratulations to you, LJ. Won a Super Bowl. Uh, no, he hasn't. He hasn't beaten Brock Purdy. Oh, he did. That's right. Last year's NFC title game. He hasn't beaten Mahomes. Oh, he did beat Mahomes. Yeah. Good for him. Good for him. Congratulations. Good to, good job. Ring. Guy got Stroud at four. Lamar Jackson at three. Dak at two. Brock Purdy at one. Playing some great ball right now. What do all those guys have in common like we started the show? All those guys have great coordinators. Jalen, get this. All these, Dak has Mike McCarthy, who's calling the best football of his life. Purdy's got Kyle. Lamar's got the new coordinator in Baltimore. Mahomes is Andy Reid. Jalen is Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson? Mr. Johnson, can you please come to the front desk? Airport security wants to check you. I mean, Mr. Johnson. All right, let's get out of this. And I couldn't wait to talk to this guy because this guy's the star of the show today. Because you know what? The warm-up act was Warren Moon. Now... We go from Warren Moon to the legend and the legendary Philly 500 as he joins us now. Yeah, the old- just, shut, just, just bury me right now. Warren Moon, come on, man. Warren Moon's like one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. Are you kidding me? He, no. he was your opening act. Ah, oh, man. I'm just honored to be in the same show as a Warren Moon. Are you kidding me, Chief? What How about player. that moniker we got next to your name? Does that is that appropriate? Yes, it is. <laughs> All right, Philly. Are you as dis? Okay, no, I don't want to set the deck here. Let me do this to you. Your takeaway from the Cowboy game? Pissed off, man. I, I, I'm really angry. I was depressed the the night of. Now I'm starting to become really pissed off. Um. I thought the Eagles showed me once again. Like I, I felt like I was watching the fifth quarter, the sixth quarter, the seventh quarter, and the eighth quarter of the 49ers game. There was no change. You would never have thought the Philadelphia Eagles were a team that just got embarrassed. Uh, they, you know, everybody's talking about, well, you know, play calling this, that, the other. I'm trying to figure out why this team didn't want to play. 
because I didn't feel like they wanted to play. I felt like after the Jalen Hurts fumble early on, all the air went out of that team, and that was it. How about this, too, Philly? I, 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 where do you start? The defense, the offense, the coordinators, the quarterback? You could go anywhere, and it just seemed like a massive disconnect. Doesn't that fall back on the head coach? Yeah, yeah, I, I do. I think I think it is the coaching. I think it goes back um, to what you were saying. You know, nobody wanted to believe you last week about what you were saying about Frank Reich and, and the analytics. But my, my feeling is when you take what you said and then you look at what, uh, you know, was said about the Eagles not being satisfied or players thinking they're too predictable – I think it's the game plan. I think these guys come in, they don't believe in the game plan they're playing, and then early when it it doesn't go well, they get down. And then once they go in, and for most of the season, and they have to adjust, they come out and they start to roll. But when you play two two good teams, that's not always going to be the way it is. I think there's so much credence in what you said. Um, you know, I know people have been dismissive of it, but I, I, I absolutely think that's the problem. Let me let me throw something at you that Tone and I were talking about earlier, and you tell me if you subscribe to this. I think everything we're seeing right now is why Doug Peterson was fired, in, and I'm and I'm going to explain to you what I'm talking about because it expands on what you guys or what you and I were bringing up and talking about last week about the analytics guys. Don't you think it's ironic that that Super Bowl team in 17, you had Schwartz, you had Doug, and you had Frank. Three dudes, or two dudes, maybe not so much Frank, but that would push back on the analytics department and on the personnel department. Do you know we went back and looked that that 17 team, that that there were moves that were made in season for that to win that? Do you fast forward that to 2020? Do you know that Howie Roseman barely made any moves in season to try to turn around a 4-11-1 season right. when that thing was just a few years removed from winning a Super Bowl? My opinion, this guy, and this is where this battle was for power in the building between Howie and Doug, he made no moves that year. Yeah. And you would think that that would be something – that would be perfect and right up his alley when it came to bringing in a thousand different guys. He's bringing in a thousand different guys off the street now. Why wouldn't he have done that then? He didn't want to. Then he ends yeah. that whole fiasco with Nate, Nate Sudfeld. And right. then think about this. After that whole fiasco, what does he do? He goes out and he hires the most inexperienced coaches that he could possibly find. So yeah. his analytics department. Now, let me ask you this about Wentz. Did he do the same thing after Frank left by not putting quality coaches in the building and the Doug wanted to elevate certain guys? There was a battle. It just seems yeah. to me, why would you spend $50 million, Philly, on a quarterback and he has the least experienced coaches of any of the MVP candidates? That is, it's a great question. You know, I, I guess, you know, I, I guess I was fooled into it in a way because I thought, well, the record Brian fooled Johnson, you. Yeah. The, well, the record fooled you. And then <clears throat> the fact that Brian Johnson knows Jalen Hurts and has a relationship with him and he was here from the beginning 
So you figured he would know what works, what doesn't work. Um, but, you know, it, it goes deeper to that with the whole Doug thing. You know, there was, and this hasn't been talked about a lot, but there were reports when Doug got fired that he would have to weekly meet with the owner and and uh, Howie Roseman and discuss specifically why weren't you, why were you running here? Why were you doing this here? Like he was under scrutiny all the time. And they fired a coach that won a Super Bowl and then went to three straight playoff games and he got fired. So, you know, I, Howie is never going those, to give up control. I don't believe those meetings go on today. And I'll tell you why. That means Howie would have to answer for his analytics team, giving these guys the information that these guys right. put the game plan together to because Nick knows Nick was told by Frank to go along to get along is how you're going to last a long time as that coaching that coach in that right. building and that's what he does this is there's not those Doug Peterson why you're answering on beating Atlanta 17 14 questions right I mean yeah, Doug yeah. probably had to answer for the Philly special <laughs> probably yeah because that's I, not I, an I, analytics play right Oh no. And, and the weird thing is, is is literally it's the same game plan every week. The analytics tells them the same thing every week. Come out throwing and then try to run more in the second half. Uh it, it's it's that simple to figure out their game plan. Um so I I think that yeah, I think it's on Nick Sirianni. I, I think this is the week where we know I'm going to know everything I need to know about him after this week. Uh, so you will find out if if we think that he really is a good coach or not this week, if he can rally the troops, because that, Hey, that, that's going to be a tough ball game. Yeah. It, it's a tough game. We don't win there. And, and one thing you could say with Seattle, they come out and they hit. If you look at that, like the 49ers game, you look at that. They, they, hit, they, they hit us. They finish us. Yeah. They almost beat Dallas too. Um, but, but those teams, they look like the desperate, hungry team, and we look like either we were really tired, frustrated, didn't want to be there. I don't know. But, you know, I don't look at the 49ers game and Dallas game and go, oh, my God, those teams are just so much better than us. I'm saying to myself, this team is not showing up. They are not showing up. And before we worry about all these other things about game calls, I got to know why these players are not, are not tuned in for this game. That's what I want. This? Did you have the impression coming away from that Niner game that Seattle played the 49ers harder than the Eagles played them? Yeah, absolutely. They played them better. They hung that's around. That's scary. With Lockett, right? Yeah, the, and, and DK. I, that's scary. And, and I think part of that is that they're a division <clears throat> rivalry. Yeah, so absolutely. You know, you know that, that's part of it. But I, I was just so disappointed. I'm just so angry about the way this team played. Like, I, I don't feel like this team um, – I don't know. I don't know if they're just tired. They have deadly. I don't want to make excuses, but they don't look right. Just it, just their demeanor. I mean, they keep showing shots. You see Jalen Hurts sitting on the sideline. You know, he's sitting on the bench just like this, not talking to anybody. Devontae Smith, same thing. I mean, these guys look frustrated about something, and, and I think there's something going on. They looked as disconnected as that game plan. Yeah. The hey, last would we not agree? You know, I keep hearing people say this about the team all week long that, you know, you know, there's like, you know, guys are not on the same page and, you know, they're becoming predictable. 
I say this, man, I don't think it's a team thing. I think it's an organizational thing. The organization is very predictable and how they yeah. do business. I mean, the way they scheme, the way they draft, the way they sign guys, the way right. they hire coordinators, the way they it it's almost like a clock. I mean, yeah. there's nothing like have you ever seen a jet? I think I've seen one jet sweep this year and there's just no, no. creativity with the None. entire process. It just I, I think they're very predictable in everything they do from coaching to signing of players. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree. And specifically, you know, with the game plan, the play calling. I mean, there, there are things like, you know, I could be watching the game as a fan and I, I you know, the few times they actually blitz, I know exactly where it's coming from. So I can read it before the snap so you know the quarterback can. Um, the players know on first down the Eagles are going to throw. So if I know this by looking at the way they're set up, the defense knows it. Uh, they're very, very predictable. And so, they don't play so Nick Sirianni. So Nick Sirianni just said at his press conference, Philly, no changes will be made. Um, he will not have more of an influence in the play calling and we're mm -hmm. 10 and three. We control our own destiny. Our coaches are doing a good job at what we're doing right now. I have complete faith in our coaches. Is that him we're talking or is that Howie Roseman talking? I, I think that no matter whether he's telling the truth or not, he's got, he's got to say that. <laughs> like, I don't think you, so I you don't got think a coach with no backbone. Yeah, because he's he's got to say it. He can't say anything else. And you know, you they are ten and three. I mean, you you want to true? You want to throw up the panic button too? So I think he I think he has to say it. But the proof of the pudding is going to be this Monday because to me, if they come out the way they came out the last two weeks, just from an energy standpoint, a speed standpoint, uh, a demeanor, how they carry themselves, they're going to lose. And if they lose, then that tells me, in my opinion that this coach lost that locker room. I, I swear that's what I'm going to think. Um, if if you can't get fired up to go play this game after the way those two games have gone, and you don't come out swinging, uh, you don't want to come out fighting, um, I'm sorry. I don't think the coaches are getting ready. these guys ready. The only guy I saw fighting uh, in, in that uh, Dallas game was A.J. Brown. Nobody else. I watched these guys get hit, get pushed, get cheap-shotted. And, and the team doesn't rally around each other. They don't stand up for each other. I, I mean, something is not right. How, I don't know how you go from a team that can't, that never gives up and will be in it to the end to a team that doesn't show up. What if they lose one of those New York games? To Danny DeVito? <laughs> hey, think I about actually like that kid. But hey, look, look here, let no. me say this to you. That thing's a train wreck in New York, and yet they're still mathematically alive in the playoff race at five and eight, and they've won three in a row. And yeah. I, I, I think the kid's done a decent job. He's not a frontline guy. He's a backup. He's 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 like that that the Cooper Rush guy. That's who he's right. going to be, or that white kid that's down in Miami now behind Tug of Viola. He's nobody special. However, you got a yeah. coach that's rallying the troops here, and you got another coach yeah. in an organization that's treading water. And yeah. I think the record um, gives them the benefit of the doubt because you yeah. wouldn't be saying this right now, Philly, if they were 10, if they weren't 10 and three and say they were seven and five or something. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, you never know. You've got to play those games out. Giants are a division rival. They're playing good football, and I'm sure they're going to want to play spoiler. And and I don't mean and, – and, 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 you know, I'm frustrated by by the last two weeks, but I also, I also think that this is a good team. And I do think, though you can't fix certain things, you've just got to get to the offseason, I do think they can change direction and get back on track. I do believe that they're that talented – and they're good enough to do it. But to me, the way they've just approached these two games coming into them, they it just it, it seems like something's off and they got to figure it out. And I think it's all on Nick Sirianni this week. If he can't do it this week, Sills, it the giant game ain't going to matter because if you lose this game and you end up being the what? The fifth seed? Yep. It's over. It's over. They got to be the number two seed. Who who wins on Monday night? The Eagles. The Eagles, they because I think they close, have to. I, close yeah. or blowout. I think it's I think it's close I because they play close games all year. Well, and and Seattle, you know, the one thing I know of Seattle is they're going to play physical. They have a great home field advantage. They're desperate, um, you know. But I, I've got to think, and 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 a lot of the reasons why I'm saying the Eagles is because of my belief in Jalen Hurts. I believe that this team ain't nothing without him. And if he had carried us many comeback victories, we would be trash. But I believe I, I've got to believe they're going to find a way to right this ship and, and get going again. But um, it's not going to be easy and it's not guaranteed. Not if they come out with the same with, with the same effort, because I think it's an effort thing the way they came out. First Dallas and 49ers. They, they they came out, they moved the ball, boom, Jalen Hurts fumbles. Did you see how they were having to consult? Like it just looked like the whole team deflated. And and I blame the coach on that, man. So I think they have to win this game. And I think they will. Um, because the alternative is it's over. It's like I, I got a I got a clean house, man. How how was your attitude as you were streaming the game? The You know what? I could see you kind of going, oh, shit, it's the Niners. Okay, the Niners got us this time. We beat them in the NFC title game, so we still got the better advantage in that whole thing. All right, all right. Okay, it happens. No. But that Dallas ass kicking had to hurt in a little. That had to hurt like when it, you were a it, kid. It, it hurt so much. It, it hurt big time. But it was like, you know, a lot of times, you know, did the games that are really close, you you know, you have a lot more of a reaction. To me, it was just like, like, what is with this team? Like, I, I just had so many questions about, like, wh like, what what's with this team? What's with this effort? You know, um, it, it was really disappointing. Uh, it was it was one of the most depressing games I've seen. Now I have to hear that Dak Prescott's the MVP. I have to hear all this crap. That Slam dunk MVP. <laughs> I mean. I would give it to Tyreek Hill way before I'd give it to Dak Prescott. Did you see Miami? They look completely different if Tyreek Hill's not on the field. I think if Tyreek Hill gets 2,000 yards, you have to give it to him. You have How about to give this? him the MVP. I think they're going to drop that game in Buffalo this week. I do too. I think they're going to drop Buffalo and Miami. Yeah. Or Detroit. Yeah. I could. think they're, they're – you, you have not proven to me in Dallas – that you can win multiple weeks against good teams yet because you've no. beaten one team that's good who's kind of on vapors after going through. Get this too. You know what really sucks about where we are right now? Think about this. 
Say you beat Seattle. So you beat Dallas. You beat Kansas City. You beat Buffalo. Then you beat the Seahawks. And you lost to the Niners and the Cowboys. You really lost to one team. You beat the team. You split. You have a problem being four and two? No. No, I don't. That means you would be on pace for 14 and three. Yeah, I expect I expect we'd be fourteen and three, and at worst we'd be the number two seed. Now, if you tell me we play Dallas in Philly, Dallas ain't beating us. I think whichever team plays at home is going to win that game. So, I I still think that if the Eagles could just get back on track, I think I think they I think it's going to be them and the 49ers again. And listen, 49ers are better right now. The 49ers are the best team of football. And, you and, lose, and, hey, but you so, lose one player. That team waffled. Waffle, you lose one player. That's right. Yeah, and if Baltimore, I mean, I'm about to be praying for Baltimore, baby. Go Baltimore that oh, night. I but we Baltimore, gotta take care of business. I think they beat them. Yeah, well, I think we, Baltimore's it, it, good. See, I, I, I just don't. I, I think our defense is trash. Like, there's no. You're not fixing your linebacking situation no. till the off. You're not fixing your. Quarters. You're going into week 15, Philly. The, anybody <laughs> that tells you this is going to straighten out, it's not right. Right, but there's a few things that they can do if they can get their offense going, get a little more bounce, maybe add some running, bring back the RPOs, get Stop the, the turnovers. offense going, stop the turnovers, and then get back to stopping the run like you did early in the year. They can, they can make that. They can do damage. I believe that, but I think this is it. Like if Sirianni can't get this team to to at least go out and put a good effort in, because I don't think that the effort versus the Cowboys was good at all i don't think it was i don't think they gave their all that game holy cow that looks like philly 500 is getting ready to turn the um sundial up <laughs> turn it over on nick if he loses I'm that a, game on that he's, he's, he's becoming that a medic start going through that dial he, there on you he's becoming a metagon very very quick so <laughs> Ah, very good, my friend. You were awesome, my my God Almighty, man. I'm really glad that the opening act of Warren Moon led to this because this was spectacular. Very well done, my friend. Thank Thank you you so much. Hey, tell the folks how they can find you. Type in Philly 500 or, uh, you know, yeah, just type in Philly 500. You'll find me there. How about if we typed in Dallas Stinks? Can we find you there too? Yeah, if you had still stinks, I'll probably show up. Yeah. Or Denzel Washington, since I look like him. You know. <laughs> Philly, thank you, my Point. friend. Thank you, my man. Take you care. You got it. That is Philly 500. So Nick Sirianni says everything is all good in Hooterville. Is that right? You know, with like the, the Grinch that stole Christmas. You know? It's all good. It's all good in Eagleville. I want to hit on that. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Eat chicken wings by Hooters things. Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card. This year, stuff their stockings and yours too with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things, Christmas is near, gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now, Hooters gifts are always favored. Go for the polls and the pools. 
go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. in Whoville, a.k.a. Eagleville, all is good. The Grinch that stole your Super Bowl. We'll see. All the good Christmas trees and, (laughs) oh, my God, Nick Sirianni, man. Everything's great. Our coordinators are great. We're not changing anything. Destiny's in our own hands. Things are going great. We're good. Is that Nick talking or is he sitting on Howie's lap? Sills, what is the one defensive scheme play where they show pressure, then drop back into coverage called? Um, Sills, what is the one defensive scheme play where they show pressure, then drop back into coverage called? It's just a disguise blitz. It's not really anything, depending on what, the scheme is and the coordinator is they'll come up with a with a name and they'll they'll put a name. I'm trying to think of what Dallas's was, but they called that. I, I a lot a lot of coordinators will just they'll come up with their own name for something showing blitz and then they'll back off into it and drop it into coverage. Um yeah, man. Here's Nick. 
hey, man, everything's great. We're not going to run the ball more. We're going to go about our business. And, you know, we're confident. We got our destiny in our hands. Talk about being a corporate shill. Good night. (laughs) Hey, man. This paid advertisement by the Philadelphia Eagles and Nick Sirianni. Man, hey, I hate to do this to you, but everything I've been telling you about that guy, it pans out every week, man. Holy shit. He gets his marching orders from homeboy. I'm sorry, man. He's a puppet. No way. No way. No way. I will never waver. I will never waver. That guy's not a good coach. I'm sorry. He's not. You guys keep bullshitting yourself. This is fine. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Holy cow. Hey, (laughs) wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got one for you too, Tone. Hold on for a minute. We still have enough time. Yeah, let me do this. Let me do this here. Okay, hold on. I got one for you too, Tone. Okay. Hi! This is Nick Sirianni. Everything's fine. Everything's good. (laughs) We're good. So, Nick, how, how, how are things going? Are you going to change anything? Coordinators are good. You don't have to worry about anything. We got our destiny in our own hands. But Nick, you've been killed the last two weeks. I don't worry about it. We got our own destiny in our own hands. And you know, we 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 trust everybody in our process and what we're doing. I can't tell you how much I really love being that coach of the Eagles. And it's wonderful being the head coach of the Eagles. <laughs> but, but Nick, you've been killed the last two weeks. All right. Howie told me everything's all right. Wait, Howie, what do you, what, what's that? What, so what's going on here, man? I mean, are you going to change coordinators? Are you going to be more of involvement in the uh, play calling? Oh, no. No. Brian is going to be the guy. Well, how good a job do you think Brian's done there, Nikki? Great. Great. How about there's guys in front of the Novacare Center wanting to size ass to be fired? Oh, we gave him coffee and donuts. (laughs) (laughs) How come? Tone, come on here. I want you to look at him. He is so pissed off right now. You've got to make sure you check into sports. <laughs> everything is calm. Good. Nick everything. said today, everything Every- is good. Hey, listen. He said everything's fine. Hey, if he said everything's fine, everything must be fine. Don't you, don't you think everything's fine, Sills? 
Oh, oh. If uh, everything's fine, doesn't... it's fine. <laughs> This th- this is the kind of th- this is the kind of conversations we're having right now. We're we're, we're dealing with a guy who doesn't want to turn the sprinkles on when a house is burning. The this house sounds, is on fire. This guy sounds like Joe Biden. <laughs> the house is on fire. Man. <laughs> okay, that's my man Tone to Shields, Xander and Big Joe. We love you. Make sure you check out Tone 2 tomorrow with Sports Take. Him and Robert killing it in the segment at 3.30. He's like a media mogul now on Jacob Sports, our good friend Tone here. So I do my we're going to talk more tomorrow about the Seahawks thing. So Xander, Big Joe, we thank you. Two to six tomorrow. Tone, I love you very much. Thank you again for doing what you do for the program. Couldn't do it without you. We will see you tomorrow. We'll see you on the flip side. Chicken wings by Hooters things. Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card. This year, stuff their stockings and yours too with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings by Hooters things. Christmas is near. Gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now. Hooters gifts are always favored. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.